Hello, everybody, and welcome back to TheDestorProds.com, comic book podcast. As always, I'm dead. Join me today, we have Nico. Yeah. How's, how's it going? Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Yeah. I had to, had to record late tonight because I was playing D&D, and we ended up not being able to play too much D&D because everybody arrived late. Ah, uh, well, that's shit. Yep. <laughs> that kind of, <laughs> if we knew that, I'm sure, like, we could have started earlier, but that's that's how, how it goes sometimes, unfortunately. <laughs> <sighs> what are you going to do? That's all right, yeah. but I'm sorry to hear you didn't get a lot of gaming in. Nope, we got hour and a half. Yeah, that's nothing in D&D, right? Yep. We usually, I try to keep, I try to get, I, like, the time we have set up usually is four hours. Right. Oh, wow, they're that late. That is quite late. <laughs> 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right. Oh, shit. And they got here at 8.30. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> That's why I, wait, I waited even a little bit over the time we had talked about, because I assumed you may be wrapping up, right? That's Yeah. Because I was kind of trying to give me that leeway, but. Oh, I actually ended sweet. up wrapping up early. No, I know. That's that. I, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Next time, just tell me. Anyway, <laughs> <That> sucks. <laughs> anyway, we're here. Yeah, Let's talk about comics. Yeah, a little behind the scenes, behind the curtain there. Yeah. <laughs> the list that Nico and I have usually have to choose from are a bit shorter this time. Yeah, even on my end too. Admittedly, I for one, I don't think it's been that busy of a, a month in terms of releases I've been interested in the last couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, I guess I've, I've just been pretty busy. And uh, you, you yeah, meanwhile, I've just been feeling like right. shit the entire time, so I haven't really got right. a chance to read much. <laughs> so that should be interesting. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, sometimes those are the best episodes. Though you never know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. You never know when you have stuff from the middle of de- the middle of December that you still haven't read yet. Oh, 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 oh fuck! Your stack's getting unwieldy. D and is cutting into your comic reading time, bro. I'll burn through it. <laughs> I know you've seen some of my lists. Yes, yes, I have actually. Sometimes you you'll come with barely anything, and then the next time you record, it's like fucking a whole book full, of, <laughs> like a textbook yeah. full of like titles. You're like, holy shit! But anyway. Yeah. So, Nico. Yes, enough shop talk there. <laughs> what uh, is your to, first book? Get to the comic talk. All right. Uh, let's, let's throw this out here first. Uh, BPRD, Hell on Earth. So this is kind of notable for a couple of reasons. One being that BP Hell on Earth actually, BPRD, Hell on Earth actually, I believe just wrapped up recently or is in the midst of wrapping up. Um, so that's how behind on Hellboy I am, but in the BPRD, but, uh, essentially the first volume of the library edition hardcovers just came out. And people that trade weight BPRD and Hellboy like I do, cause they really come out with these, um, Nice deluxe, nice uh, library editions that are a little bit oversized. Oh. Uh, Hellboy has a whole bunch of library editions like that, and BPRD has a smaller hardcover editions as well. And the whole Plague of Frog storyline that was going uh, on, um, the collect that was a, f- a total of four um, hardcovers collected in that version had come out years and years ago, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago, when that storyline wrapped up. So it seems to be the thing that they, they, they do when the storylines wrap up, they finally start bringing out the hardcovers, collecting all these 
because they they uh, bring them out in individual trade paperbacks during that period of time. So so that's why I'm so far behind. Uh, and I was really excited to read this and just read a big big chunk of BPRD, uh, and which is actually my favorite series out of the Magnolia verse. Uh, I actually prefer BPRD to Hellboy. Hellboy's good, and uh, it had the great uh, Mike Mignola drawing majority of like the first half of the whole series until he kind of just became the writer or plotter. Um, you know that obviously is a is a plus. That was at it, 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 its best with the, the creator drawing it. Yeah. Uh, but then about maybe two library editions into uh, Hellboy, or I guess on the third one, they started the do do the BPRD um con- uh, at the same time uh, as Hellboy. Uh, so they were both coming out uh, at the same time years and years ago. And uh, and I prefer the BPRD because it's kind of like a paranormal team. They're the team of mishmash of all the different weird, weird bizarre characters and people with abilities and uh, and Abe Sapien and the Hellboy basically join them for a bunch of adventures too. And they're the ones that get basically you know jet set all over the world and investigate like these weird occurrences. And therefore, for me, that's more up my alley than the Hellboy. Um, I'm, I basically came across a ghost accidentally or a demon of some sort. I got into a fight. I say, crap, I punch him in the face. <laughs> that, you know what I mean? That, and that's essentially most Hellboy stories. And don't get me wrong. I, I, I enjoy Hellboy. And uh, they're well done still. The, um, everything kind of weaves together throughout his whole history very well. And, and I think with all the different artists and writers they've brought in over the years that have basically worked with Mike Mignola, I think they've done a great, great job. But BPRD absolutely is my favorite. So um, so basically in Hell on Earth, it's basically what's happening. It's, it's uh, all these creatures and demons and really, really bad occurrences of things all over the world are occurring. And the BPRD is on the case yet again after defeating all these frog creatures in the Plague of Frogs and uh storylined and uh yeah and now essentially yeah like uh hell is basically rising and, and coming on uh, like on earth like there's all these creatures unearthing from the ground uh in different areas they go to russia in this to investigate some stuff they go to seattle to inv- investigate some weird goings on and uh during this first volume abe sapien actually breaks off on his own from the BPRD and that's when it goes into the Abe Sapien series which I've also read a bit now because they've also released started releasing the hardcovers of his solo series and Abe Sapien is actually interesting because Abe Sapien now is like transforming he's like mutating into like different types of looks now and like they think he's like I don't know like a there's somebody on the team that thinks like um, he has like some like divine, like some meaning in all of and everything now like something ended up happening where like they think it's like the Antichrist or something. There's some he's he there's wait, some wait. sort of yeah. Wait a minute. So they work with a literal demon child. And I know like, what an Antichrist like, is. The fish boy. Yeah, he's probably the Antichrist. <laughs> well, that's the thing. This guy doesn't know what he is. Like he know he thinks he's evil. He thinks he's like the new coming of something. Uh, yeah, essentially like an antichrist, like, and like, or some sort of figure that's basically, yeah, going to bring the world to the, to an end of some sort. And that's one of the BPRD actual members. Something occurred in the, I think during the Plague of Frogs or just prior to this, uh, Hell on Earth storyline, which I can't recall what it was, but he basically throughout this whole hardcover volume, 
um, is basically on his case, trying to find out what Abe's up to, not suspecting that he's, you know, something's going on. Like, why are you mutating? Why do you look like this now? Like, he just basically doesn't trust Abe. And Abe basically goes on his own way away from the BPRD, and, like, he kind of... The, the the Abe Sapien series is so fucking bleak and moody, which is... I was picking up the trades, and I stopped picking it up, and I picked up the hardcover now, because... I'm a completist when it comes to these hardcovers. I kind of try to read all the Hellboy stuff. So, but it's it's such a it's it's not as great again as the BPRD. Like it's about Abe basically on his travels, running into again the same deal, like trying to work his way through the world and help people. But everyone's now scared of Abe because he looks much more like a monster or almost something like the frogs did in the Plague of Frogs. So so he doesn't know what the fuck's going on with him. He's trying to figure it out, find his way through this new world uh, and everything that's going on. And he's just encountering all these pieces of shit out there that don't trust him, that don't want his help, that just fucking, you're like, kind of get away from me. And he's just kind of like Frankenstein, almost. You know what I mean? He's yeah. just like he's like making his way. So, so it's so it's 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 not bad, but it's just much much more bleak. The storylines that I've read so far in his main series, but but in this volume of BPRD, you see where he kind of leaves the group and um, and kind of like the state of everything as in the world right now, as they kind of delve further and further into the mysteries of of what's happening and. I'm not going to get into specifics only because like, you know, like all Hellboy BPRD stuff, it's a huge, huge storyline that's going to be spanning over another few hardcovers like this. But uh, it is definitely worth your time and worth checking out. Uh, But unlike other things, I would not suggest just jumping in with this volume. Like if you're going to read the Hellboy BPRD stuff, uh, the good news is a lot of these hardcovers are out of print. But they're going to be reprinting all of them in oversized omnibus paperbacks. I think within the next couple of months, they're going to start bringing those out because of the new movie that's coming out. Uh-huh. Uh, so if you want to get caught up on BPRD or Hellboy or had any interest in it, now's the time. Just because um, with the Hellboy in Hell, which essentially he died in, that came out a few years ago, which was supposed to be Mike McDowell's last tale. Even though that was supposed to be him kind of putting the definitive end to Hellboy and that he is dead apparently now. Um, BPRD and the Hellboy stories have continued throughout all these different series they've been doing because they kind of jump around through time since he's been part of the BPRD since like the 40s or some shit. So they're okay, still kind of so... mining different pockets of storylines all throughout his history. So, Okay, so with that stuff, is that like... like I'm looking at like the hardcover stuff that they have out. Yeah. And the main thing that I'm looking at is the library volumes. Yeah, so those are the big oversized hardcover editions, which uh, that for the Hellboy versions or the BPRD. Uh, Hellboy. I did not actually oh, okay. see any BPRD library editions. Yeah, so BPRD. I think they're just called Plague of Frogs uh, library editions, but the paperbacks that I was referring to, I think it's just called Hellboy Omnibus. Uh, instead of library edition and those are the ones that are going to start coming out soon that's going to actually collect all of his storylines in chronological order yeah so if you were on Amazon you just type Hellboy Omnibus it's going to be Hellboy Omnibus Volume 1 Seed of Destruction and that comes out in May apparently and that's Uh going to start that's going to start off the Hellboy saga and I think there's going to be three or four omnibus size paperbacks like fat paperbacks that are going to actually collect it all in chronological order so like um, instead of the hardcovers where they actually didn't do it in chronological they did it like what uh what was printed you know what i mean like instead of like what the storyline actually 
how that went. So there's yeah. going to be four Hellboy omnibuses, it says here, with two volumes of the complete short stories. And then I'm assuming they're going to do the same thing with the BPRD now with these paperbacks. And, and they're going to be like $30 retail. So that's a hell of a deal to, yeah. to check out Hellboy at this time. But that's, as I was saying, the, I believe though, except for these new BPRD hardcovers and the Abe Sapien, the Hellboy library editions are, I think, are all out of print, except for maybe Hellboy and Hell. Um, but yeah, so, so now's the time to check it out. If you are a trade waiter or you have never checked it out, uh, with a new movie coming out, they're really going to be pushing, uh, this new material in people's hands. So, um, definitely worth checking out. I really, really love the Hellboy and BPRD stuff, especially as I mentioned. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. So BPR, uh, PPRD, Hell and Earth, volume one, uh, the hardcover, uh, has come out and I think volume two is going to be coming out in a couple months as well. So, uh, so yeah, definitely check it out. It, this is one of those stories though. You need to kind of read it from the start. If you actually Google, um, if you're interested also, there's a, I think it's called a Magnola versity or Hellboy versity, like one of these multiversity kind of people on that website. They basically, um, there's this guy who's really, really good that has a complete reading order list that you can find if you Google it. Just Google Hellboy reading order list. And he's, uh, he's done a really, really great job of telling you no matter what format you want to read it in, what basically to read at what time if you're going to be reading it chronologically because when you get to the third library volume of hellboy it breaks into bprd and then you got to kind of read them side by side almost like you know what i mean like one volume and then the next volume would be pretty and then back to hellboy it's it can get very confusing for people that are been interested in this but have been afraid to jump in because there's just so much material so so definitely do that or check out these new omnibuses they're going to be coming out with so yeah okay all right yeah all righty then so, on to my, on to my first book, um, Imaginary Friends. Sorry, Imaginary Fiends. Oh, yeah, yeah, this looked interesting. Yeah, it's a new book from Tim Seeley, mm-hmm. uh, Vertigo title, and it is kind of interesting. Okay, good. Yeah, so the story starts out um, back in the past, like, you know, decades ago, with our main character, Melba Lee, being arrested for murdering her best friend. Hmm. Yeah, she says that it was her imaginary friend, Miss Peach Pit, that did it. <laughs> okay, so she's crazy. <laughs> no, she isn't. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Turns out Miss Peach Miss Pe- Miss Peach Pit is real. The imaginary fiend. <laughs> yeah, da, da, da. yeah. So like, yes, yeah, so like twenty years later or whatever, when she's spending all when she's like when she's like grown up in a mental hospital, uh, Melba gets visited by an FBI agent. Who then shows her a video and says, like, hey, what do you see in this? And then she lies to him. Says, like, oh, I don't see anything. And then he's like, you fucking, just tell me the truth. He's like, yeah, I see a fucking dragon with a cowboy hat or something. To which he says, like, all right, yeah, so you are one of them. Uh, There are interdimensional beings coming over into this world, taking the form of children's imaginary friends. And just, yeah, basically just saying, like, (laughs) basically just saying imaginary friends are just beings from another world. And the FBI has set up a task force specifically to investigate crimes dealing with them. That's interesting. I like that. That's interesting. Yeah, I've never so, heard that being done. Yeah. Huh. So Miss Pi- so Miss Peach Pit comes back, uh-huh. and she is essentially a Black Widow person. Okay. Like she has a big spider butt. She's like big spider everything. Uh, just this really creepy fucking porcelain doll mask looking fucking face. Hmm. And spends all her time just fucking torturing and belittling and just talking shit to Melba. 
And then the two of them are start, then the two of them start work for the FBI. <laughs> just like that. They're just like, yeah, we're just going to work for the FBI. Is it because they, they're aware of these imaginary things or yeah, if like, you, yeah, if you can see imagine, if you can see an imaginary friend, then you can see all imaginary friends. Oh, okay. So then you're essential to just be able to join up with them because they need them essentially. Yeah. Like, the, yeah. Like, the main yeah, FBI okay. agent of, uh, that, uh, Mel was going to be working with, um, agent Virgil Crockett. Uh, he can't see imaginary friends. Okay. So she's kind of essential for this whole operation to actually work. How is he able to even fucking exa- uh, investigate these things if he can't see them? That I don't understand. Like, that uh, would be difficult. So he is there as the, like, actual fucking... He's there as the... As, like, the actual investigative and, you know, legal fucking, like, I'm the FBI man side of things. Right. So, so like, hey, there's a hey, a crime happened here. Is it kind of weird? It might be ours. Oh, so it's kind of like uh, essentially Mulder, even though he, you know, thought that aliens were, you know what I mean? Like he he just couldn't prove it a lot of the time, right? Like something like that, where he he believes in these things, he knows it, what's up, but he just kind of he yeah, can't actually. He knows what he knows what the deal right? is, but he but he's not like fucking right. in on it. Right. Right. Okay. Hmm, that's an interesting premise. I like that. Yeah, and meanwhile, other side of things, um, a this guy named Cameron who is who has his who has his own imaginary friend that I don't believe is actually his who is trying to hunt down Melba and kill her at the whims of another imaginary friend. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well that's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, getting into the second issue, um. We see Melba um, go out drinking for the first time because she's been in fucking – she's been in uh, fucking insane, insane asylum since she was five. Whoa. So she goes out drinking, almost dies. Right. Uh, and yeah, so, so the case they're working on for the first thing is a kid disappears. He He's out in the, he's out in the woods one day and just doesn't come back. Hmm. Um, Crockett believes it is because of his imaginary friend, a man in a like green hazmat suit carrying an anchor. Wow, that's and creepy. they find and they find this uh, <laughs> and, w- and around the spot he disappeared, they find a bunch of flowers and the flowers is this weird little milk substance kind of thing. So mm-hmm. he goes goes gets tested while all this other shit is happening with Melba, and it turns out that it's cat milk, and a bunch of children who've gone missing, including the kid they're looking for, is actually are actually being held kind of captive. By an imaginary friend that is a cat mom. Ugh. So it's a bunch of fucking kids between the ages of like five and t- thirteen being breastfed by a cat. That's fucking weird. Yeah. I'm actually looking at some of the artwork right now, uh, like some preview pages. Yeah. This fucking uh, Black Widow thing is fucking freaky looking, too, that you were just talking about. Oh, yeah. The artwork uh, by Stephen Molnar is real fucking good. Yeah, I like – I don't mean I'm not – I don't think I'm familiar with this this person, this dude, but uh, yeah, I'm looking at some of the pages here. It looks really, really solid for a Vertigo book, too. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's able to get like real good expressive faces with just like regular people without having to be too fucking over the top or crazy. But that he's also still able to fucking draw these goddamn awesome, really interesting looking fucking monsters for really imaginary mm-hmm. friends mm-hmm. and have them be like these fantastical creatures, but still fit in with the art style of the world itself. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, this looks promising. Yeah, and, and look, a fucking Vertigo title. Wow. <laughs> it's yeah. just, you don't, you don't see too many things come out from there these days, but, uh, no, that's good to hear. I'll have to check this out when it gets collected. This looks, yeah, this looks good. Yeah, this, this is a really interesting book. Well, how many issues are they in right now, or how many two. have you read? That's two, okay. And I find that Tim Seeley excels when it comes to horror stuff as opposed oh, yeah. to... Yeah, Tim Seeley is a horror author. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, he's he's the one that did Hack Slash, right? Yeah. It was Tim Seeley. Yeah, right. And uh, yeah, I know I've read other things. I, that's the thing. Like, I mem- I know we were talking about... We talked about even his stuff on uh, Nightwing. It was up and down. And it was one of those titles where I wanted to drop it constantly, but it kind of... Something good would happen. Some interesting things were going on. I like certain elements of it. Yeah. But he didn't feel invested in it for whatever reason. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, at least yeah, I got no, that no, I totally get that. It, I totally get that. Yeah, it is... Yeah. Tim Seeley works best in, in like almost procedural horror. Mm-hmm. Did you have you read? Did you ever read Revival by him? Uh, Revival, yeah, I, re- I read. I read a good chunk of it before. Like mm. the issues came out so far apart that I just ended up losing the thread. Yes. Yeah, it's done now. I mean, I I know you have like a million things to read, but I definitely at some point, if you were to go back, I yeah, think at, you, at some point, I'm going to like sit down and actually read the entire thing. Yeah, yeah, because I. Because I read it and traded, and even the the spacing in between with those was hard to follow what was going on. But by the end of it, I was actually pretty satisfied with what um, that series, uh, where it went. And it was a pretty solid series, yeah. That's, uh, this looks good, for sure. Hmm. Yeah, so Imaginary Fiends, check it out. All right. All right, so uh, talk about the next one here. Uh, X-Men Grand Design. Now... I didn't listen to the last episode. I had a chance to listen to the last episode when you and Birdie were on. Did you any either of you guys talk about this? I know you're not the huge X Men. Uh, we did usually. not. We did not talk about it at all. Are you aware of this book though? Like, I am do, not. Do you know? Okay, so X Men Grand Design is basically a passion project of an indie creator by the name of Ed Pisker, who's basically best known for these days, uh, Hip Hop Family Tree. Have you ever heard of that comic that he does? I have um, not. It's, it's a comic that he, he did online, and it's basically he's a hip-hop fan and uh, essentially mostly just the old-school hip-hop, like from the creation of hip-hop through the 80s and all that. Anything past like, the early nineties, he doesn't. He's not a huge fan of, and uh, you know, I, I you know, I, I you know, I like hip hop. I like rap music, and I've been I've picked up the books because I've heard that they were really good. And what he does is I haven't I haven't read too much of. I, there's four volumes. I own all of them because they look amazing, and <laughs> I can't wait to actually take the time to go through them. I haven't got around to reading them yet, admittingly, but I've just heard how good this series was because basically what he does is he's the type of guy that does massive amounts of research of whatever subject that he's into doing. And he basically just goes in there and he has this really, really old school looking style where even the way he colors and he makes the pages look like it looks like a, a comic from like the 60s or the 70s. And he has this really great cartoony style. Um, I'm trying to see if I can bring up some images for you or if you have your, your image. Like, yeah, I'm looking. Open. Yeah. Um, just this really, really old school looking style. That's really fantastic. Very clean lined and, 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 and the way he colors and actually makes the pages look when he does these things, it looks like it's a comic out of. That, oh yeah. That wow. Era. This looks like fucking straight up. But yeah, like, I think you guys. I think you guys would both really dig dig this guy's stuff. Um, yeah, like like the cover of a uh, like, like I think the cover of um Hip Hop Family Tree Volume Two. Mm-hmm. 
and it looks almost like some fucking Jack Kirby shit. Yeah. Like not like not not especially in the character design because the character design it is old but it isn't fucking Jack Kirby style. It's just environment wise. Mm-hmm. Is number two the one with Doctor Dre on it, or is it Grand, is it uh, Grandmaster or LL Cool J? Or there's different guys that he puts on it. Um, I don't know. Well, the well the thing I'm looking at the preview page is uh, is a guy saying, "I'm Africa Bambata." Oh yeah, <laughs> and I possess the perfect beat. Yeah. Yeah. And what this guy does essentially is he chronicles the, from the creation of hip hop through and he essentially, he, he basically gives you a history lesson through story, comic story line and basically gives you all the facts and actual stuff that he has researched. And so if you're not even, if you're even a fan of hip hop or you're even interested in learning about hip hop, this book essentially basically does it all for you and explains everything in the form of comics, which is just fantastic and very old school looking comics and well done stu- uh, comics as well. And, and, and yeah, it just looked really, really interesting. And, and like I said, I own all the volumes and basically that's what this is. He one time, uh, he's also a big fan of early image days in the nineties and Chris Claremont era X-Men comics, like the uh-huh. old X-Men stuff, which, which a lot of people consider to be like the golden age of X-Men. Like, yeah. That, love, that, that yeah. era is the reason people care about x-men nowadays exactly and uh since then he's obviously more of an indie comic creator but he still you know uh gives respect to that era of comics and superhero comics and he doesn't hate on superhero comics like some of the other kind of indie writers or artists do he has a love and respect for it but he obviously since then he doesn't really he doesn't keep up with things today so yeah he he so he essentially on twitter i guess threw out this comment saying like look at me uh, like look at this stuff i did yeah i guess he drew some x-men or he showed some his old x-men collection or something and he essentially said Marvel should pay me to do my version of X-Men and again apparently because I heard an interview with him uh, on a podcast two days later Marvel they had he had written a contract up and Marvel agreed to let him do basically essentially that exactly what he did for Hip Hop Family Tree but in X-Men style and he chronicles the start of the X-Men I think he said he's going to do about the first 300 issues of X-Men in six oversized issues within the next three years so two (laughs) issues two issues are going to come out each year and the first two issues have come out this year i think it came out the first issue right before christmas and then by the start of january the second issue came out and about two months from now they're going to be bringing out the oversized edition paperback in the same style of hip-hop family tree collecting these first two issues because i think they're like 40 50 pages each and and that's essentially what he does like he basically he makes sense of all the crazy fucked up storylines of X-Men back in the day. And he pulls information out of everywhere. And he shows you the fucking work that he did at the back of each issue. It's amazing. It is amazing. So basically you get to the back of the issue. It says page one, uh, like page two, the Submariner Submariner battled the human torch and flooded New York city in human torch comics. Five uh, fifty eight, nineteen forty one. Like it'll it'll tell you like what where this he yeah, got this notes. scene. Yeah, exactly where he got this scene, what issue it came from, when it was printed, and 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 as as time goes on, you see like he's pulling a lot of shit from the earlier stuff, the Stanley stuff, which wasn't that great apparently, like the first hundred issues before Claremont. But then after that, um, <laughs> you see him start pulling strings from Claremont's comics of Uncanny X Men, where Claremont actually had to go back and try to insert. Flash flashback stuff to make sense of the stuff that came before his time so and he breaks it so 
I'll put it this way. If I had one criticism about it, like it's a masterwork and it's very, very well done. The way he essentially tells the story, though, is not progressing the story through a, a natural story sense where it, the story is progressing on its own. It's basically him at the start of the issue. You see the watcher basically talking to a recorder and he is letting, and then it opens up the series that way, which the watcher is basically chronicling the history of the X-Men to this recorder. And, and, and essentially he is, um, it, it's him talking through narration throughout every issue, throughout every scene on every page. So from page to page, you're jumping from scene and, and then this happened and then that happened and then this happened and then that happened. But the story doesn't essentially progress like there is word balloons and there is like conversations had between the characters but it's basically only kind of enforcing what's going on what's already been told to you through the panel work you know what i mean so it doesn't make for the best reading experience in that sense but it's it's so well done and it's so interesting again if you don't know anything about the x-men you can just jump right in and you learn about the whole history of what the fucking x-men up to a certain point where i think claremont left the book uh and that is what he set out to do so it's just really, really amazing fucking stuff. And I think it's worth checking out for the art alone and the, and the amount of work that this guy's doing. Like this is an indie creator is basically doing everything on this book. He's doing the coloring. He's doing the, uh, the, he's doing the, uh, the lettering, the, uh, the writing. He's doing the research, the penciling. Like he's, this is a one man show here. And it's something that Marvel sorely misses like they never give people or nor do they have people like this that are ever interested in doing these kind of passion projects so the fact that they have him interested in doing a book his way and they're allowing him to do it like kudos to them like it's one one of the only good things they've done in the last <laughs> few <laughs> years in my opinion let's be honest they yeah. they have had a hard time of things recently marvel and yeah uh, lately they've had they've had things have been not great no, no, absolutely not, which pains me because, you know, like I'm I'm a big Marvel fan more than anything, but yeah. I'm a big I'm, – I'm more so a, a fan of good comics. So you know what I mean? So I'll go wherever I can find them, but – um, but yeah, this is great. Um, definitely, I you know, I don't know. If you're interested in this, even Dead Man, I would suggest checking it out because it is – it is really like there's a lot of things in here I didn't even know like that, <laughs> and, and as soon as they hit because these first ish, two issues I think is pre Claremont, but the next one they're getting into Phoenix Force stuff and all that, and once they get to Claremont stuff, that stuff's even more fucked. Like so, like you know okay. what I mean? Like yeah, uh, that... all the uh, so just all yeah. the interweaving storylines that he had, like all all the balls up in the air. Apparently, like he yeah. he had like 17 plots going on at once. Claremont, so like it's it should be interesting to see how he's going to approach all that and apparently i do really want to go back and do like a retrospective on like claremont era x-men you know again because that's uh, first world problems the the um i have the first three omnibuses of his stuff like the actual hardcovers they've come out with of the uncanny x-men of claremont haven't haven't read any of it because (laughs) i just bought them because i knew it was so important to x-men yeah and i was like i i need to grab these you essentially have Uh, comics that you treat like games in your steam library <laughs> yeah, they're there, but <laughs> they're just like, yeah, it's just, it's like I got them because, like, you know, they were on sale. Or, like, I've always wanted to play them. Yeah, but I just kind of never got around to it. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem of being a you know a comic uh, lover, right? And reader. yeah, just it's, there's so much of it. 
Yeah, you just can't find the time, but I'll eventually get around to it. That's what I mean. Like, I just mentioned having all four volumes of Hip Hop Family Tree and all three yeah. omnibuses in this in the same talk, and yet I haven't read any of those. <laughs> but I've heard they're good. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah. So, X Men Grand Design. Uh, the first two issues are out. Uh, if you can't find them, like I said, the trade is going to be coming out, I think, like two months from now, which collects these two issues in a nice oversized format. Uh, same as Hip Hop Family Tree. Uh, they kind of do like a treasury edition size like they used to do like back in the day, like um, big oversized like comic issues. Uh-huh. Um, and um, and uh, I'm going to probably double dip and pick that up as well just to have alongside with the Hip Hop Family Tree because they it's just a sight to behold. His style is really something uh, special, I think, that yeah. uh, no one else is kind of really doing these days and uh, oh, yeah. really, really it's, interesting stuff. It's odd to have like a unique throwback like that. Like usually you look at somebody and it's like, yeah, like I can see fucking like elements of somebody else, like fucking the Allrids. Sure. Like his, yeah, his, oh, yeah. His, his, right. his style is very throwback, but it's also very Jack Kirby throwback. Yeah, exactly. Pre page I've seen his stuff. Like it is very throwback. Like even the fucking like page looks like it's been fucking grabbed in such a way that it looks like old comic pages. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I, this interview, you, you're absolutely right. This interview I heard him talk about. He actually said, e- even you can tell the newsprint that they used. Like he had to beg them to use the type of newsprint in these comic issues, even though it might have brought production costs up for Marvel to produce it this way, because it was very important to the aesthetic of how the comic looks. Authenticity. Yes, exactly. So it's it's very... it's uh, Yeah, and it looks great. Like, there's even some pages where, back in the day in Marvel, like some of the older issues you were to pick up, sometimes the printing of it would be a little slanted, like the actual panels yeah, like, would like be... The printing is slanted, or like the coloring on like a, on, like, a narration mm. box isn't filled properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he takes the time and detail to actually do that to some of the pages in here. And you'll notice if you look through it first, and <laughs> even me at first, I'm like, I'm like, is this supposed to be like that? <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, he's trying to make it look like an old car. You know, I was like, I was like, oh, very clever. You know, I was like, nice. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah sounds, really. That, this guy sounds like a fucking crazy person. He really is, man. If you heard the interview I listened to, because he also did a book I read, uh, I picked up after I heard the interview, actually. This one I did read. It's called uh, WYSIWYG. And it's about a, a hacker, like early days of hacking, like back before um, like the early starters of PCs and how you had to go into like different like forums like on the internet and you could talk to people. Yeah, you got to go into the dark web to join an IRC chat in order to get the fucking like – data packet or whatever in order to actually hack that shit right like you you that's what i mean you sound like you know what i didn't again that's the subject i don't know I too said, much about what, what, what i just said was buzzwords hey but listen like it sounds like you know what you're talking about but yeah. this guy I, I feel like i feel like i'm able to write like a hollywood movie idea of hacking but if anybody actually knows about hacking and listen to what i just said they would hate me <laughs> but there's uh, probably somebody out there who like actually hacks and it's like oh this fucker <laughs> but yeah, that's essentially, this is basically, again, with this book called Wig- WYSIWYG, which is also great. He did the same thing. He actually met and spoke to a guy who was a renowned hacker from back in the day, did his research, and then wrote this book about, essentially, about a guy who was a hacker during that time and, and how that all worked and how he became, like, a hardened criminal. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. and it's, this is before there was actual, 
Um, he didn't even have crimes. By the time he got arrested, it was the first guy I think ever to get convicted for um, for like hacking something or something. Like you know what I mean? Like they didn't yeah. even know how to approach it. So so yeah, it's, it's yeah that one's called WYSIWYG. Also a very very good book. So yeah, definitely check out this guy's stuff. Uh, Ed Pisker, very very good. Alrighty, yeah. So moving on to my next book, Detective Comics. Yes. So the storyline they've been having recently is centered around the Victim Syndicate. Yeah. Now, the Victim Syndicate is a very interesting idea that the book doesn't execute great. And this is the second time, correct? I think they started out with the storyline. Yeah, they I don't know if they started out with, but it was very early that the Victim Syndicate was introduced. Early, yeah. I think it was before the colony. Right. Yeah, and so the yeah, Victim was, Syndicate it, 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 is yeah. purportedly uh, made up of made up of people who were victims of Batman's villains, and they personally blame Batman for the escalation that he caused that led to these villains existing. Like there is a lady who was like the first person that um that Scarecrow ever uses fucking serum on, so she becomes a fucking Scarecrow duplicate. Uh, mm-hmm. There is a guy who got like who got like fucked up by poison ivy. So now he has like poison ivy esque powers. Mm. Uh, there is a, there's a lady who got a similar accident that happened to, that happened to Clayface, uh, but it didn't make her like a full on fucking like horrible fucking clay monster. He just gave her a fucked up face. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that woman. Yeah. And then there was a guy who had allergic reaction to Joker toxin. So he had to get a tracheotomy so he can't talk anymore. Yeah, he looks like one of those fucking uh, Cenobites or something from Hellblazer. Kind of, he's got I like was actually, that. I was actually just gonna, <laughs> actually just gonna say, and it's all led by the first victim who looks like a Cenobite went to a fucking goth concert. <laughs> yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah. Because, because sorry, cause, cause, take the words out of your mouth. But yeah, that's what he's it looks just like. fucking like he's just like a fucking leather dress covered in like nineteen different belts, and the head is all blood. Yeah, yeah. Now this is a good idea. Sure. Like, like I remember, like it was the Red Hand, I think, back in uh, like Wolverine days, where it was, like, where it was like it was a group of people who got together specifically to kill Wolverine because Wolverine killed their families. Mm-hmm. That worked a lot better than this does. Mm-hmm. Because with that, even though they had like masks on and stuff, they were still just people. They were people who were hurt, but they used that hurt like pull, pull their resources and stuff in order to just fucking go and do awesome shit. Meanwhile, with this, it is an actual fucking monster getting people we've never heard of before who themselves have become fucking monsters in order to try to take down Batman because they say he's there because he says he's because they say he's the reason that they got hurt Hmm. with no real indication of like how the first victim got hurt. We don't even know who the fuck the first victim is or what happened. Hmm. It's just his characters we've never seen before, outside of maybe Mudface. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Um, like, like Mudface yeah. so far has been the only character I can actually call a character in the fucking Victim Syndicate. Yeah, yeah, no, they're very one note, like kind of these people. Like you haven't really learned too much about any of them. I think this whole yeah, and no, you make a good point. I didn't even think of it that way, but you make a very good point. They're essentially now supervillains. Like, yeah, they, they, of, yeah, yeah, the first yeah. time we see any of them, they are already fucking supervillains and monsters. Mm-hmm. So if we don't have the actual context of what they were before this, then we only know them as monsters. 
Yeah, it kind of loses a little bit of the humanity that you're supposed to feel for them because Batman basically ruined their lives. Yeah, like even in fucking yeah. um, like even in uh, what is it? Uh, the Wolverine book right now, where where they have where they have like another group of people who are like, yeah, we're gonna kill all fucking Wolverine's kids because get fucked. They're still people. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they're this big fucking faceless organization, but they are still human. They still argue with each other like people. There's still some dude named Tom, probably. Mm-hmm. Like, the victim syndicate would be way better if it was almost if it was like an anarchy kind of thing. Like, anarchy kind of works better as a victim syndicate than the actual victim syndicate does. Because, like, anarchy, yeah, he is just this fucking... Just this fucking dickbag asshole who like like went to college for two weeks and who went to like who went to like a fucking college philosophy course for a semester, <laughs> and then decided I know what's best for the world. Let's destroy the government. Especially this version now. Actually, oh yeah, he yes. looks, especially he, this. This version. motherfucker would not be out of place in the quad. <laughs> I actually used to like Anarchy back in the day when I first got introduced to the the older comics, but this uh, yeah, this motherfucker yeah, will walk out. Yeah. And it's like let's take down the establishment. We're gonna fucking bring back fucking real world, real fucking rule. Anyway, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like old Anarchy, fucking spoiler would not have got on that. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, if if it was like an anarchy kind of situation where the victim syndicate was a single charismatic leader who was able to either a lie his ass off in order to get in order to actually like have sympathy out there, or b actually was sympathetic, and the rest and then the rest of it was just people, mm-hmm. just regular fucking dudes. Because Gotham is Gotham gets regularly fucked by this. Like in since the fucking rebirth happened, Gotham has been in a state of fucking siege warfare, f- like every other arc. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. So it it would make total sense that there would be a group of people who are just like, yeah, fuck this noise. We're gonna t- we're gonna kill Batman because we can't fucking handle this shit anymore. That makes total sense. But again, it does. We it does, need yeah. that context. We need we need either the context or the fucking optics of them as people. Mm-hmm. Without it, we don't have any reason to actually care for these fuckers because they're just fucking villains of the week who will get beat to shit and then somebody will try to shoot them or something. Yeah, you know, I actually didn't even think of it the way you're thinking of it. You make a very good point. Um, just because it's a good concept, but the, I think yeah, the execution it is an amazing concept. Was poor. Yeah, it was not as great as the execution of it. Yeah, no, you make it. You make it. Yeah, good, good, good point. Yeah, and so the other kind of two storylines weaving throughout all this is um, a Tim Drake back from the quote unquote dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has been putting. He's been trying to put into place. Various efforts that would not have that that would make it so that even after he stops being Robin or everybody in the bat or everyone in the fucking Belfry and the team fucking dies, that that the Batman's operations will still keep going. Essentially, trying to bruise the situation, men becoming closer and closer to being his fucking futurist future version counterpart. Right, like the point where he's even like, "Hey, yeah, you know those, you know that fucking crazy like." Like dogmatic military organization that tried to kill one of our members and like almost nuked the ha- and like almost nuked half the city. How about we call them in to deal with these fuckers in a building? 
Yeah, and I think that it's it's getting to the boiling point where eventually something's going to happen now between even him and Batwoman because I think he's got that in the back of his head, like now that his future self came and because you could even see them kind of being already argumentative towards each other. I think yeah, throughout yeah, the they, yeah, they were, yeah, yeah they, they they were like kind of like butting heads, mm. but and yeah, it seems like that's going to be coming to a head soon. Absolutely, yeah. And I hope it doesn't. Because I'm fucking so sick of this predestined yeah. bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, comic stories... Any comic story that tries to do, like, oh, well, this is predestined, this is always meant to happen, is immediately undercut by the rest of the comics industry where time doesn't fucking care. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck, like, fucking... This whole thing, this whole predestined thing, is kind of already undercut by the fact that Connor Kent exists. Does he exist again now in Rebirth, or No. Maybe. Oh, I didn't hear about that. Be- because, because, okay. like when, because, like when, uh, yeah, when future Tim got present Tim out of fucking do- out of fucking Mister Oz's zoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, he says something about Connor Kent, and then and then present it, Tim's like, it, wait, who's Connor? Was this an action or detective? Detective. Oh, I don't remember that. Okay, huh? Interesting. Yeah, yeah. He like he like fucking comes back as yeah. Once they actually get out, and he goes to kill fucking, and he goes to kill Batman, mm. and he gives Tim the fucking chest scar. Yeah, no, I remember what you're talking about. I didn't recall him saying that though. Okay, yeah, he, huh. he, yeah he's like he's like, hey, fucking tell Connor whatever. And he's like, Connor, right. who the fuck's Connor? And then you see this horrified expression on his face. Oh, okay. Huh. And and then we and then like uh, he appears again in Teen Titans trying to kill um, Jonathan Kent. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and we see the future. Where Connor is there. Oh, Tim Drake showed up in Titans. Yeah, yeah. Future Tim Drake oh, showed up in Titans. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay, future I, Tim yeah. Drake showed up in Teen Titans trying to kill John, Superboy. Mm. Right. Because in Yeah, the, I know. I yeah, did hear be, about that. Yeah. Yeah, because in the yeah. future, his his uh, super flare gets so fucking in, intense and out of control that he just becomes a threat to everybody, so he needs to be taken out. Mm-hmm. I liked that Tim Drake arc, though. I did like that arc. I liked. The, I know what you're saying about like it. It's funny how they'll they'll, they'll say that's important. Yeah, you know, all the other continuity isn't really like with the future effects and yeah. all that. But I uh, I actually really enjoyed that arc in Detective, though. Uh, from uh, for me, anyways. But yeah, go on. Yeah, and the other kind of storyline they have going is Clayface. Great. That's my favorite, I think, to be honest. I love Clayface in this book. Oh, yeah. uh, Clayface, and, Clayface and Detective is really fucking good, and his relationship with Ka- with Cassandra has been one of my favorite things with that book. It has been – since they don't have an oracle now, they need somebody else for Cassandra to like latch onto as a family member. Mm-hmm. So having Clayface be that one is just kind of fucking great. It is. Yeah. Like Even in, even in this issue, uh, like Tim and uh, Tim and the team are arguing, just fucking fighting. Like Tim's like, no, we need the fucking colony. They have the resources, and everybody's like, no, you fucking dumbass. At which point, Cassie just speaks up. It's like, yo, fuckers, we need to save Clayface because he got kidnapped by the victim syndicate. And like okay. word, and like word was getting out and spreading that Batman was working with Clayface. Mm-hmm. And so the public yeah. was like. Yeah, and then I liked the whole. Sorry, I forgot her name now, but the how he tried to help the victim syndicate person and mud she basically face. yeah, mudface and um because the Leslie Tompkins uh gives him a uh, a cure essentially. It was her, wasn't it? Or was uh, it the other person? 
she's in this, but I don't think yeah, it was her that's it's, working with it's him. It's a doctor. It's a, an, right, a doctor. But Leslie Thomas, she also showed up, I think, earlier in this detective run. But, um, yeah, so she's in it. But there's another person working with him, and, yeah, when she gives him the antidote, essentially, to try to help him. But it wasn't, so, him, it wasn't like, so much an antidote so much as it was, like, a bracelet that, right. that he could wear that would give him, that would give him, like, a physical form again. No, he had he had that, but now I think she gave him something new to give to he gave to Mudface. Isn't it something different now, or is it still the bracelet? Uh, I think it was no, no, it, it was the bracelet. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he okay. and he was and he was like and he and he and essentially like the longer he has a bracelet off, the more like like the longer he has a bracelet off, the more likely he is it'll revert back to being Clayface. He goes crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's actually what happens with this. Um, like they they mm. take the bra- they take the bracelet off so that gl- so that Glory Mudface can beat the shit out of him with her cane. <laughs> yeah, she's all like haggard looking. Yeah, and, she, and, she's, and she's like, and she's like, yeah, I get it, but like, give me the fucking thing back, please. <laughs> and then by the end of the, and then by the end of the issue, the fucking cops bust into the fucking Arkham Asylum, and then at that point, Glory flies out of the back room, cracks her head against the wall. Clayface comes out with a destroyed fucking bracelet, and is now ready to fucking throw down because he's back to being a monster. The, yeah, that's the other thing too. Actually, and I, I'll I'll ask you your thoughts on this because I I feel a certain way about this. Uh, it was also with the video, be, them releasing the video footage of Clayface working with them, the city and the police now have kind of want, are ready to turn their back on uh, on Batman. Like they basically yeah. said, you have to bring him in now, or you guys are we're not going to work with you. You're shut. Like you shut. You're going to. Yeah, shut they're doing that storyline again. Right. Uh, um, Batman does something, but the city doesn't like it. So will they? Will, so will right. they rise up against him, or will they stand behind him? And then, right? <laughs> and, then in, and then in a month's time, everybody forget. Everybody will forget this happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been done plenty of times before. That's it's that's. Um, but the thing uh, that's interesting is I found myself uh, caring that the way the story arc is going currently. That I hope Clayface doesn't drop off of the team, and then I got oh, to thinking. Do, do you agree with me though? Because like, but then I got to thinking, it has been a while. Like, it has been a proper amount of time, and essentially, he'll probably eventually, under the, the guise of another writer, become a a villain again at some point. But I don't want it to happen right now. Like, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, like I want like, them to continue. The, the storyline uh, in my mind, where I believe this is going, right. is Batman and Clayface are going to get into a fight. Clayface will be Clayface will get the upper hand on Batman for a bit, and then fucking cast then fucking Cassandra Kane. We'll come in saying, no, please don't. It will, uh, it will, like, hold Clayface back a second, and then he will just fucking shut her off into the night, and then it'll end with fucking Cassie sitting on a rooftop, being sad while Clayface is in a sewer somewhere, plotting his revenge while being also sad. Mm-hmm. That's where I see this storyline going. Which is a damn yeah. shame, because the fucking storyline, I, I like good guy Clayface. Same. Because like, Clay, th- like, Clayface has always been, of the villains of Batman's, He's been the one that has had the most opportunity at redemption. Like, like out of all out of all his villains. Uh, yeah, I yeah, mean, like, look, I look, think look Man Bat Man Bat Two had a bunch. Okay, of... yeah, Man Man Bat Two, but Man Bat. Uh, yeah, Man He's kind of is... like the lizard. He's kind of like the lizard. Yeah, Man Bat's like a lizard. You know I don't really mean? consider yeah, him a villain so much as like a threat. Right. And but uh, but I, I mean in that sense he's always reminding me of the lizard because he is a scientist who basically got turned into something and that doesn't want to be that thing but he always kind of falls back into these patterns you know what I mean like of of, of this happening yeah. or something yeah so yeah but look, yeah. you look at like Clayface Clayface he kind of became this just through fucking like when you are a when you are a clay monster what else can you really do right. 
and and like having and like having this thing be like, hey, we're gonna cure, we're gonna get you back to being you, and having him like be like actually remorseful for what he's done, and then and like having him develop that relationship with Cassie. Hmm. That has been a really good storyline that I've really been enjoying, and oh yeah, the fact that the fact that I can almost guarantee that all of it's gonna go to waste. Right. I know. And and that's that's why I want to ask you because I can't really sit here and tell you that the story hasn't played out to the point where it's 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 this is too early of a move for it to play out that way because it it isn't, but it's been so good. I really don't want it to go into this direction where I feel he's going to have to step away from the book for a while. Um just because yeah, it's been very enjoyable because he was smart enough to use in my opinion one of the more um, uh, powerful Batman rogues gallery villains, but yet underused. And somebody yeah. who actually, like you said, you can actually have a humanity with because of his, his whole thing with him wanting to be an actor and, and, and all this kind of stuff. Like, it's been great. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, totally. He, yeah. It is, it, it, so. it was, it was a real good fucking choice choosing Clayface as the guy to join the team. Yeah. I just don't want it to end. And I think you're right. I and think it will. It's gonna, it will, it yeah. will fucking end because, of course, it will. Yeah. yeah. Because we no, can't have nice things. <laughs> but that's the thing it, it is coming to i think it's natural end to the story but, but it's him, not but, but it's not a natural end though it's a natural end in the fact that we have been force-fed this ending so much by fucking comics that we just assume it's natural right no you're right yeah that's a good point <laughs> that's true he could go on for another two years but like that yeah like you're right the, the natural <laughs> end would either be he goes fucking full heel and tries to murder cassie or the actual relationship holds enough fucking sway that they're able to get another bracelet on him and get him back to the fucking belfry to make him like a good person again mm-hmm. yeah but they're not gonna let's do hope, that it's gonna be let's hope, let's hope we're wrong let's hope we're wrong we're probably not oh yeah i, let's hope, hope, <laughs> I hope i am wrong <laughs> yeah yeah and I don't mean to, I don't mean to do my own horn, but I'm probably not. <laughs> no, that's that's hey, I'm right there with you. I thought the same thing. <laughs> yeah, because so. this is this is mainstream superhero comics. They are about as unpredictable as a fucking farmer's almanac. Yeah, because I I think for the <laughs> I think for the Batman for Batman to be able to even work with the police again, he, he this push is going to come to shove. Probably, like you said, as a result of this fight that's happening right now where he's going to basically slink off like the Hulk misunderstood. Or fucking hell. God God damn. Like they fucking floated that idea earlier. Have Batman form a suicide squad. Now, does Batman Inc. still exist in this continuity or no? I don't think so, right? Um, Question mark. Rebirth? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know because they – because like – there was there was never like a one moment in time thing that said what kept from New Fifty Two going over into Rebirth. Yeah, because I even remember them saying again, like they think they did with New Fifty Two, that essentially the continuity all still counted for the main things like Batman and Super. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, like those, like those big ones, they don't really change much because there's so much to pull for the storylines for those characters. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, so. but yeah, but we have not heard fucking hide nor hair of right. of anything about Batman Inc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only Batman related stuff that uh, from Morrison that's popped up has been in the recent Scott Snyder uh, Dark Knight's Metal, I would say. No, you, don't, you, don't that, even, you don't even need fuck. You don't even need the shit from like fucking Morrison. Just like any Batman Inc. stuff. Like no, like, remember, remember that even... time Robin died? <laughs> right. Yes. Remember Goat Boy? <laughs> remember, well, yeah, it was. Yeah, it remember was fucking any <laughs> of the goddamn dozen characters that were introduced in that goddamn book? 
No, you're right. Who should actually? Be, who should be all over the world doing things at all times? That's where Stephanie Brown actually popped back up after they launched on the new Fifty Two for the first time. It was Batman Inc. I remember she. No, did, appeared. didn't she pop? She popped back up in fucking Batman Eternal. I think she was in Batman Inc. before that. Actually, I think there was an issue called Leviathan Strikes that she she popped up in. I might be wrong, but I think she she popped up in that first. There was a one shot. I think when they were transitioning over from the new Fifty Two uh, version of Batman Inc. because it continued into New Fifty Two. I think that's the case. I'm checking um, just to be sure, but yeah. I don't think that's the case. I because I remember. I think there was a there's that school that they had in um, in Batman Inc. that they established that was kind of the school. Like I think with Spiral and all that kind of shit. You know, because I think he's the one that started that that um that Spiral shit uh, before Grayson. Was Morrison, I think, in that series. If it wasn't Spiral, it was some sort of assassin school or something. I think it was called Leviathan Strikes, Batman Inc. Okay, I'm looking at it. Yeah, I found it. Is uh, But it is not New 52. Then it was just... Pr- it's not. This wasn't during New 52 time? Yeah, New, huh. fi- yeah, New 52 was... Uh, new- when did New 52 start? Like 2012, 2011, 2012? Yeah, this is with Ste- Stephanie Brown is in this, but I believe, yeah, this is February 2012, it says. Okay, yeah, then I don't fucking know. Because the cover I was looking at, it didn't have, yeah, the is, cover I'm looking at doesn't have any New 52 branding on it. Oh, so there's a note. I looked on a, some sort of, I don't know what website this is, DC database. It says, Stephanie, it says at the bottom here, um, this issue explicitly takes place before Flashpoint in the New 52. So this did okay. come afterwards. It did come after during New 52, but they make a point of the saying... The story itself is pre Yeah! Well, there's fucking comics for you guys. Thanks, DC. <laughs> Sorry for the trail off there, but yeah, okay. So yeah. So yeah. She did unofficially appear in 52 in Batman Inc., but she like actually was introduced New 52 iteration. <laughs> right. In Batman Eternal. <laughs> Absolutely. We're both right. <laughs> yep. Well, there you go. I'm surprised we know so much about it. <laughs> it's almost like we've spent literally hundreds, possibly thousands of hours talking about comics on the internet. <laughs> possibly. Batman Inc. was great, though. That's why I was yeah. wondering. Because yeah, I, I, I actually I enjoyed the idea of Batman Inc. It was actually probably my... No, that's not true. Batman and Robin was probably my favorite of the Morrison. Books ba- ba- yeah, Batman and Robin was great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fucking di- having Dick Grayson being Batman, that was fucking great. That was great. Yeah, and gotcha. the way that informed the relationship between Dick and Damien. I still love. I still love that. That's still a thing. Yeah, even in the fucking like in the Nightwing books and stuff, like like, like before <sighs> before the Nightwing books started going to shit. But, that's like, why I don't. Like before he broke up with Sean. Yeah. Just. It's just like seeing Damien like come in, see Grayson acting like he, see Grayson acting like a fucking like emotional asshole because his girlfriend is gone and she might be pregnant, and then just like and then like recentering him by saying, "Yo, you're fucking Batman, dude. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the greatest Robin, and you were the Batman for me. So guess what? You're the greatest Batman, motherfucker. Let's go save your girlfriend." That's why I'm starting not to understand. Like I get it, I understand where they're coming from, but I'm not understanding where a lot why a lot of people still hate. Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, Damien. A lot of people don't like that character, and yeah, for me, like I've read 
the Morrison stuff and the Tomasi stuff and the stuff that they've had like the moments recently in Batman. There's a lot of great Damien stuff out there. Yeah, there is, but opinion. like a lot of people were initially turned off by him when they first when they first met him. Yeah, he was and then an never, asshole, and then never came yeah. back. So the only impression they yeah. have of him is him as an asshole. No, absolutely, and and no one wrote him as good as Morrison, in my opinion. But well, Tomasi did a great job. Yeah, Tomasi still that, doing a great yeah. job. What are you talking about? Yeah, in Super Sons. No, I may take that back. But if, but initially, he's the one that set the tone for like his. He was the only one that made asshole Damien sound like good. Like you know what I mean? Like every other person, I think that's tried to make him like a dick. It hasn't worked as well. Like I think Tomasi hasn't acted at least. Other than the start of Batman and Robin, he has hasn't been as much as a, a, an asshole as he was at the start. Like when you first got introduced to him, I don't know. I I like the character. I know we've talked about yeah, it before. yeah. Dam- I like Damien him. is a good character who you need some time to grow. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like he's not like my favorite Robin or anything. Oh no, nor is, no. Yeah, he can't yeah. be. Yeah, uh, yeah. So. Like like a lot of people is like a lot of people is either fucking Dick Grayson or Tim Drake. Yeah, those are yeah, the me, Robins. Yeah, for me, it's it's Dick, but uh, yeah, but so you know, the best ass in the DCU, of course. So. Oh, word! <laughs> About to quarter off that motherfucker. <laughs> Yours is Tim Drake, right? Nope, Dick Grayson. Oh, it's also Dick. Okay, I'm sorry. I just yeah. know you 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 liked Tim Drake as well. Yeah, come on, girl. Bit, so yeah. <laughs> Bye can't bye. say no to that. I, can't say no to that fucking. I, just I didn't like, know you were about that dick. Damn. I didn't. I didn't know you were about that dick as well. <laughs> Girl. Yeah. It's like you've gone on quite a tangent here. Guys. It's like fucking two hams and saran wrap. Just like bow. That's right. <laughs> what the fuck am I talking about? Two hams and saran wrap. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know kind of how it's like a bag of sand when you grab a boob? <laughs> it's like, you ever actually touched a boob? <laughs> oh, yeah. I've touched like tens of them. <laughs> That's a line for 40-year-old virgin, everyone. <laughs> I, I, I'm aware. <laughs> no, I know you're aware. I don't but, talk yeah. about sex, Will. <laughs> that was a good one. I liked that one. Yeah, you know, I was all kind of like, yeah, I'm touching your boobs. <laughs> I remember that all he says. It's yeah, kind like of like a bag of sand. It's like a bag of sand. It's like, oh, yeah, just fucking two of them, man. <laughs> They're all like looking at it, like, what? And oh, she like man. licks your toes. <laughs> then he says something about like, oh, then she's like, be so horny. <laughs> <laughs> that movie's hilarious. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. But that was a good one. <laughs> Steve Carell at his best. <laughs> Anyway, anyways, yeah. Let's talk. <laughs> let's talk less about how much I don't know about sex. <laughs> and move on to your next book, Bird. I mean, Nico. Sorry, <laughs> last, still in last week mode. <laughs> All right, uh, Doctor Strange. Uh, are you up to date on this book? Nope, I stopped reading it after the uh, Empiricon arc of the Jason Aaron stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. Did I talk? I think I did talk about this book already since the Donny Cates took over with Loki, didn't I? I think I talked about the first uh, issue. I, maybe I don't. I don't remember. I I forget it, these podcasts. Soon we stop recording. Yeah, <laughs> I think I did. I think I, I talked about the first issue, but I think we're about four or five issues in the Donny Cates run on this book after taking over for Jason Aaron and uh, with Gabriel Walta on art, the guy that did Vision with Tom King, and uh, they're still fucking kicking ass in this book. Uh, if it continues at the pace that it's been right now. I, 
I could even arguably say it's been it'll be better a better run than Jason Aaron's was, and we all know how much I love Jason Aaron on this show. As I always talk about how much I love Jason Aaron, but Girl. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, he's doing some great things in this. He actually made a practical and and like smart use of. Uh, and brought him back where, again, a lot of people are going to groan at this, the, 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 the introduction of this character when he popped back in, but he brought, uh, what the fuck is his name? I, I just blanked on this fucking, fucking guy's name. Um, Wong? No, no, no. Well, Wong is back actually too. Yes. Um, but, um, the Sentry, y- you know, you remember the, the Sentry? Sentry, the fucking Sentry. The fucking Sentry? Yeah. So a couple of issues ago. Um, Doctor Strange wanting to get his house back and basically wanting to become like he's pissed off that Loki's now taking the mantle. He didn't care first, but he goes there. He sees he sees from out the outside window him and uh, Zelda or Zelma, whatever her name was, Zelma, I think it was, um, kissing or about to exchange a kiss. And I guess there was some sort of thing going on now between those two. And he freaked the fuck out. Wait, between, he was very mad. Between Doctor Zelma. Strange and Zelma? Or no, Loki no, Zelma? Loki. Loki. So, so he, meanwhile, Doctor Strange is working as a vet. <laughs> and you know. he's basically, yeah. And he, you know, because it's the only type of doctor work he can get. Uh, cause yeah, he's you, not yeah like, you know, doc, you know, <laughs> vets don't need fucking good hands. <laughs> Um, and he uses magic to basically talk to the animals. That's where we left off with the surprise ending of the first issue I talked about on the show, was that you found out Doctor Strange has now been resorted to losing the mantle for some reason, which we don't know the explanation to as of yet. And now Loki has basically now become the Sorcerer Supreme, and he's he's taken his house. The house is floating above his place in New York now. Uh, instead, instead of where it was on the ground, now it's floating. And Doctor Strange, uh, through a series of things that happen, uh, vows to basically get his spot back and take Loki down. He ba- and he he goes there to how dare talk you to fuck him. my book nerd? That's my book nerd, <laughs> right? And he goes there to talk to him, and he sees uh, he, he catches Zelma and him kind of exchanging a, a possible kiss from the window and he fucking oh flips a possible out. kiss okay so fucking it's nothing well it's funny because they don't start off the introduction of these two having a relationship and they haven't revisited it since then so i'm somehow doubting that maybe it was but they go i think it's one of those scenes where they were going in for a kiss i'm pretty sure they did kiss but i don't know if there was something there or if it was just like a moment where they just had a moment and maybe or was she Loki just being it. a dickhole. Right. So he sees this, he flips the fuck out, and then he, he's trying to figure out a way to to get back at him. But Man, what the Jason- fuck is Loki? What do you mean? Like, remember when he started out and he was just like some weird fucking like goblin with a stupid hat? Oh yeah, like the the curb yeah, like the he was like yeah, the mischief guy. Yeah, and then uh, yeah. A woman, and then he was a woman. Yeah. Then he was, yeah, then he fucking possessed the body of Lady Sif. Then he was reincarnated as a teenager, and then he's yeah. a fucking hot dude, and he's been fucking back, back and forth between good, evil, neutral. Every fucking opportunity they get, fucking Loki is a Loki isn't a character anymore. He's just a tool. Yeah, I mean, I'd argue this. You're right. He has had yeah, many fuck, different. Even in, even in the movies, I don't know what Loki is. I was about to say, if I could closely relate at least the look, like you said, like hot guy, <laughs> whatever, like look, I'd, I'd like they're going that for was this the thing. Ver- like, like, like yeah. when, they, when they brought Loki back as that, you know, the fucking thing, I think the cover was like a glamour shot or something of new Loki. 
Mm-hmm. That's what this version is, I think, essentially in this Doctor Strange. But I yeah, think that, he's that, doing that, it. That's been the Loki yeah. since since they made movies with Loki in them. Mm-hmm. As, as it has been for a lot of the characters. They can't have they can't have Loki be a fucking demon grandpa. No, no, you're right. Um, I mean, I mean, I mean, nobody wants to see Tom Hiddleston demon grandpa makeup. <laughs> to be fair, though, I actually I'm not entirely interested in reading Kid Loki other than Karen Gillan writing him because I think that he defined that character. And yeah, he did. And even then, I had no idea what the fuck he was. No, you're right. And he, he actually he even there was a time I think during it was either Young I think it was Young Avengers that he mentioned he actually mentioned the fact that he was a woman before and all that. Like he actually went over yeah. that whole thing. Yeah, he mentioned like yeah, I've been fucking I've been a woman. I've been fucking old. I've been a frog. I've been hot. I don't know what I am anymore. Please help me. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a really messed up thing too. He wasn't just like a woman. He was a hot woman. <laughs> he was like he was. I mean, there were certain artists that well, it, made him very voluptuous looking. Yeah, and, 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 very, and, it wasn't, <laughs> and it wasn't just that he just came back as a woman. I think he was actually possessing Lady Sif. Right. Yeah. Who's no slouch like the way most artists have drawn her. Yeah, she's a good looking woman as well. So it's almost all gods. It's, right? it's, it's almost yeah. It's almost like she was drawn by comic artists. Yeah, right. Like all women in comics, you're right. <laughs> um, yeah, the most you know, not hot they've drawn a woman is the fucking non-virtual reality version of, I think, like that one fucking stunner. What was her name? The Spider-Man villain? I don't know who that is. Yeah, That's like a, there's this really obese lady who like put in a VR headset and then became like a super buff hot oh. chick who wanted to like fuck Dr. Dr. Octopus. <laughs> So you're saying the only one in recent memory you can remember that they actually made not hot is essentially the reason she was not hot. She wanted to become hot. <laughs> yeah, it, it was her and Mudface. <laughs> That's and right. also and also any any young child that they've drawn. Yeah. Because no. I gotta I gotta put that out there otherwise. <laughs> sure, I get where you're coming from. <laughs> Anyways, yes, Loki is an interesting character. Um, and who knows what the fuck he is, and and then and then he has to figure out ways because if you read Jason Aaron's run Doctor Strange uh, to get magic again because magic comes at a price, uh, he's trying to continue with that storyline in this, but at the same time now he has to figure out if interesting ways now that Jason Aaron has written him into a corner where he basically had to write, <laughs> start writing the storyline, his storyline after Jason Aaron left the book to where he has to think of uh, interesting ways to go around this. Like, uh, and so, so he goes to um, Loki's world. Okay. I heard it was uh, stunner. Was it? Okay. Sorry. I'm just not familiar with that character. Yep. Angela Brankel. Okay. Yeah, like like back back when uh she the most recent time she appeared was in Superior Spider Man, where she tried oh, to okay. murder Doc Doc, where she tried to murder Doctor Octopus Spider Man because she did not know that they had swapped bodies. Her thing was like, oh god, my cancer mummy died. I'm gonna get you, Spiderman. Yeah, I remember reading Superior Spider Man. I'm trying to. Google I also I'm also just fucking shocked that anybody could look at the state Doctor Octopus was in in before before they did the body swap and go like, yes, Spider Man killed him. <laughs> the dude was basically Deadpool with better clothes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just this walking tumor wrapped in bandages. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was quite disgusting. He had tubes up his nose. There's a reason I, there's a reason I refer to him as the cancer mummy. <laughs> yeah, he was uh he was pretty decrepit when when he took over for sure. He was on his dying, you know, 
that a deathbed. Yeah, and then she and she's like, "Oh no, my oh no, the guy who had who had like nine different kinds of cancer got dead." You are his murderer, Spider Man. You gave him cancer by ejaculating into him. I don't know. <laughs> that, that, that's a spider power, right? Just right. radioactive yeah, spider semen. As far as I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he killed Mary Jane with it once. Right. <laughs> Just he and Doc Ock had a very hot and steamy romance. And then by the end of it, he's like, yo, get yourself checked out. And they went to the clinic. It's like, well, you don't have any kind of syphilis or anything, but your but your butthole is full of tumors. Was, was that the Kari Andrews one? The fever or whatever? Fe- well, I forgot what the fuck it was called. I think I know what you're talking about, though. No, it was, uh, I think it was a uh, Spider-Man Rain. Yes, that yeah, it was written by Kari Andrews though. That one, okay. yeah, that's what, it, yeah, that's what it is, right? Yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> interesting, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, t- um, yeah the covers like him just like holding on to Mary Jane's tombstone. God, <laughs> Spider Man has had so much fucked. He's up He's had a happen. fucked up. He's had a fucked up. In, in, <laughs> Remember the history. time he gave birth to himself? I don't know if I've read that, but I've heard about that happening yes that's yeah. yeah for anyone who doesn't know uh the spider queen a villain who shows up repeatedly in spider-man but not but hasn't shown up recently or maybe she has i don't fucking know i haven't read spider-man in months i think she showed up during spider-verse did she not or am i probably maybe i don't fucking know i know who you're talking about she was on the cartoon the animated series a whole lot back yeah, in the yeah so yeah, yeah so spider queen uh she ended up turning peter parker into a giant spider who then died and then his and then his abdomen burst. At which point, a new Peter Parker walked out. Oh, you know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of Madame Web. Never mind. And this That's is where, yeah. And this is where he got the organic web shooters. <laughs> is that a Straczynski storyline? <laughs> I will double check. Yeah. In the meantime, your book. <laughs> Thank you. Um, although this is an interesting conversation as well. <laughs> um, so yeah, so he has to find ways to, to mind magic. So he goes to Thor's realm and he basically uh, goes to Yiga's drill or however the fuck you say it, the magic tree, Yggdrasil. the world tree. World, yeah, the world tree. He goes there and basically yeah, <laughs> takes it, like, cuts into it and mines the fucking shit out of it for magic, the tree, uh, to where he shows up in this most recent issue, uh, 384 and like weaves, like he, all of a sudden he like hits like something on the ground, like a fucking cane, like a wooden cane and turns into basically like Gandalf the fucking, (laughs) he's got a cloak, he's got like a cloak and like a, like a, a swiveled like stick that, uh, from the tree and the whole cloak, like it looks like it's kind of made out of like his actual chest plate is made out of the tree parts as well. And it's all like enchanted. So it's pretty awesome looking. He looks, he does definitely does look like Gandalf here a little bit, but um, without the hat, um, he kind of looks like Jesus Christ in the face and the hair. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So, and um, the, the um, what's his name? Not the specter, the fucking sentry. The reason he showed up in the last issue is um, he goes, he grabs Wong, makes up with Wong, says, Wong, you know, I am sorry for doubting you. You had a great idea because at the end of Jason is Aaron's run, Wong, you find out, was basically using all these monks in a temple 
to basically drain power out and uh, almost like a human battery so that he could take all the bad shit that he was absorbing by the price of that you pay for taking magic because that was that whole arc what it was about that hatred shit or whatever it was going in the, the black stuff um basically was putting it into these people these this these bunch of monks were basically sacrificing lives as kind of uh you know like uh con to it like people and so the sentry he fucking fi- he finds the sentry he had him apparently locked away somewhere on some place no one else knew because he had to take him away from earth because he had so much issues the sentry back in the day in marvel um he took him and basically brings wong and uses him as the fucking human battery and it doesn't fucking affect him whatsoever. So he is an endless supply of him being able to use magic at no cost now. So mm-hmm. I, as soon as I read that, I was like, now that's how you fucking write your way out of that one, Todd Cates. And you could leave him there and no one would fucking care. <laughs> you know what I mean? You could just leave him there. Like Sentry's like, you know what? I'm going to take a nap. Like Wong's yeah, watching. Like, Yo, I'm like, good. I'll catch up with guys in a bit. That's what he said. He like put his like little sleep mask on, and he's like, "Are you not feeling any pain?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna take a nap." <laughs> he's like, basically yeah, just <laughs> it's calling the problem with Hulk. Yeah, and uh, and that's how Sentry was used back then. Was basically that was their Superman, but all these writers used them used him to write their ways out of, out of these things because essentially he was indestructible and he was the most he was Superman. So yeah. they're just like, okay, so now now you're the human battery, basically channeling magic, and I won't have to pay the cost, and I can continue living. So so that's where we are right now. And yeah. he goes and confronts Loki. Do you want to? Sorry, jump in with your Spider-Man thing there. Or? Yes, uh, yeah. yeah. So, so the story happened in um, the in the Avengers disassembled arc of the Avengers disassembled tie-in of Spectacular Spider-Man, written okay. by Paul Jenkins. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> and drawn by Humberto Ramos. Really? That's interesting. <laughs> That's yes. Pre Dan Slot time, I guess, or maybe. Uh, no, yeah, th- I guess th- so. this is Spectacular Spider-Man. Oh, so it was the same time as Dan Slott then, probably. Yeah, yeah, so not amazing. Spectacular. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Different adjective. Right. Okay. So there you have it. But yeah, and, we'll get we'll get back to Dan Slott, believe you me. I Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, so just wrap things up here. So he basically confronts Loki, and and the whole time Loki, the main his main beef with Doctor Strange has been... Tell me what's behind this big fucking door in your house. Like, let me in this door. I need to know what's behind it. He thinks there's something in there magical that's going to basically help him that Strange has been kept away kept away from him for whatever reason. Anyways, push comes to sh- shove in this. Zelma basically does some sort of enchantment because she knows some magic now. I guess she's picked up over time to them that essentially essentially because they're both fighting each other and she's like you two need to stop and they essentially cast this spell and they essentially uh lose their their power for like f- 10 minutes or something and dr strange just looks at her and it's like you moron he's like i am still mortal without my powers he is still a god and then loki <laughs> just punches him and he goes flying <laughs> i was like god damn like- it zelma you bitch <laughs> yeah yeah so- so then, so then Loki walks up to him now as he's all in the rubble of the house, and he's like, "Open the, fu- open the door, like do it, open this door for me now." And he's like, "Okay," but you're gonna regret it. And he thinks he can work his way out of this and take him down somehow by what's behind the door. And what's in the fucking door? Do you have a guess? It has something to do with the Sentry. <laughs> Is it the evil version of the Sentry? It's the Void, which was what was inside the Sentry, essentially, that he – everyone thought he was crazy. That was the evil side of him, yes. Okay. Uh, and which – so all, he opens the door. All you see is blackness. 
essentially, yeah, it's the void. And yeah, they're they're actually using the fucking sentry to some interesting plot like points in this storyline with Doctor Strange. The and, fucking uh, sentry? Yes, yes, and it's it's been great. I'm telling you, this Donkey has done a great fucking job. He's really cutting his chops so the, <laughs> for this, like you know what I mean? Uh, this uh, I don't even know if that's the right phrase, but he's basically <laughs> he's doing a great job with this man. He's got chops. That's what I'm about to say. Okay. <laughs> It's Donny Cates. So, yeah, Dr. Strange, check it out. Very, very good. All right, then. So, uh, keeping the Donny Cates train rolling, let's talk about baby teeth. Nice. Okay. I, so, I don't read this one. Yeah. So, issue seven came out, and we got some backstory of the coyote guy. You know, the old man living in the trailer out in the woods who's a murderer? Okay. Yeah, like so in the so in an early issue, um, they hire his daughter uh to go out into the world and to murder the baby. Right, who's the aunt? Yeah, 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 I remember that, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they yeah, the then the wizard guy comes up, hypnotizes her saying, Yo, just go back, tell him you tell him you got the job done. And then she gets eaten by a demon raccoon. <laughs> yes. Cause you know, baby teeth. Right. <laughs> uh and so and so with this, we learn a bit of his backstory, where his backstory is that he actually used to work for the whole big fucking syndicate thing that's behind all these behind all this shit. And 15 years ago, he actually encountered another baby like Clark. Like the baby that's there now. And. And he was there to kill the baby, but then the baby ended up getting sucked into a Cthulhu void. Along with the mother. Oh, a Cthulhu void. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, like like everybody's there, just ready to fucking go, just like, give us the baby and everything will be fine. So then she puts a knife to the baby, just like, we're not fucking going with you, we're not fucking doing this, I would rather have my baby die than give, than give him to you. Cuts the baby, the baby starts crying, and then a void opens up behind her, and tentacles come out and pull her into it. Huh. Yeah. So then we cut back to the... So we cut back to, to, to the present. Uh, th- that that whole storyline happened about 15 years in the past from where we are currently in the story. Uh, old man is being talked to by the fucking cabal, basically. They say, like, yo, we need to go kill this baby. Meanwhile, the baby is – and the baby and the mom are just kind of hanging out in the weird underground cult small town with the mom – and everybody hates the mom because the everybody hates this place. Like like the like the kid like the mom is essentially Okay, so Clark's mom, I cannot remember her name for the life of me. Mm. She doesn't know what the fuck to do. Cause she is sixteen with a baby, finds out her mom's alive, is in this weird underground town, and there's a wizard. So she's like, I don't know what to do. Mm. Meanwhile, her dad, Clark, is or I think I think that's her dad's name. Well, the dad, uh, the dad is just like, I, the, the dad is in full dad mode. Mm. It's like, I don't trust you. I don't trust this. I'm taking my child and getting out of here. Please do not speak to me or my daughters again. But before we get to that, the wizard puts him to sleep. At which point, Heather, the only character's name I remember outside of Clark, tells her mother to suck her dick, bitch, and punches the wizard in the face. Because Heather is awesome. Yeah. 
and we learn and like uh, and we also and we also like learn that uh, the that like up till now it's been believed that Clark could only drink his mom's blood. Mm. Turns out that Clark can drink other people's blood. Oh, okay. It's just whenever they've tried it before, it has been with impure blood. Mm. Whatever that means, because they are being right. very vague about what that actually means. Okay, so you think that's going to lead to something? Yeah, something. Yeah. And then we cut back to the Cabal, who shortly who shortly after we get cut back to, are all murdered by the weird desert man, who is saying he is going to find the baby and protect him from anybody else like them. Because he does not want what happened to that girl to happen to anybody else. Mm-hmm. And I kind of didn't expect that. Like, yeah, he was like the loose cannon guy, and I fully expected him to just like go full fucking murder crazy. But I didn't expect the reasons for it. Like, like, when, like when he first comes back and like when he first comes out of retirement, uh, two people were sent to like escort him to the Cabal headquarters. I know they have a, I know they have a name in the book when I'm calling the Cabal because that's just the easiest thing I can think of because I don't remember their actual name. Yeah, like when the when the Cabal first like kind of go, goes to bring him out of retirement, he shoots the two guys they sent, and then gets in the chopper. And so I'm just like, oh, okay, so he's just like some fucking violent, crazy asshole who is going to kill the Cabal, kill the baby, kill himself, and end all this shit. Mm. But I didn't expect him to kill the Cabal for altruistic reasons, right? Of wanting that, of wanting the girl and her child to be safe and have like a normal life. The thing I didn't expect, and it's it's small, but I appreciate it. It's it's I appreciate sure. that it was something that I didn't expect, even if it is a small twist on what I already expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's made an interesting choice. Yeah, that should I be reading this? Fuck it sounds yes. yeah. I need to yeah because I've been trying to everything else I've really enjoyed that I've read by Don Cates, but yet I, this one's kind of passing me by it. So I baby teeth is this. fantastic. Okay, it is another fucking banger from Aftershock. Mm. And I, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing where this goes. Like they, this whole story is still in media as res because it'll all be right. golden flashback. Mm. Yeah. Like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because huh. the first, the first issue ends with uh, the fucking mom, like the Clark's mom in Afghanistan recording a video explaining to Clark what the fuck his life is. Mm. And we've yet to reach Afghanistan. Like, we're still in the States, so we still have a bit of a ways to go, but, like, not super like not super long because based on, like, the age and how she talks and stuff, she's, like, maybe a year or two older when she's recording the video as opposed to where she is in the story right now. Mm-hmm. So I hope what it is is, like, we actually catch up to Afghanistan and then we move forward. Maybe getting, yeah, like, maybe getting like, narration from Clark. Yeah, they have a lot of story to tell still, if that's the case. Oh, yeah. For sure. And it'd be like, interesting. Like just, like, just go full saga. I like the cold open where they kind of show you somewhere in the future, and it's like, how did they get to that? And they kind of work their way towards that. I know it's overdone yeah. oh, at yeah, this it's, point, it's, but it's, I, it's I think it's... It's very much overdone, but it is it's a... It's a good storytelling method, Yeah, it's effective. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, and I find that if you're if it's if the story they're telling is so grand and so interesting that you actually forget a lot of the times where you started out, and you actually just get sucked into the actual journey. And then once you get back to that point, you're like, oh yeah, you know what I mean? Like it's I, I yeah. think that's when it's done well like that. It's very interesting because it catches you right back up to the point, and you you actually appreciate what where at the start where you're like, oh, what the fuck does this yeah, mean? Yeah. Right? You're like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get you come from, and yeah. I hope this. I hope this does well. I hope it isn't just like stretched out to the point of ridiculousness of where she actually ends, of how old she actually is in Afghanistan. Mm. Okay, it's either Afghanistan or Iran. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. It's been a bit of a time since I read the first issue, right? But I'm gonna stick with Afghanistan because that was the first thing I said. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she's like just in the fucking ruins somewhere in the Afghani desert, recording on her cell phone. Hey, Clark. So things are fucked. Here's what happened. Demon raccoons and vampire assassins and all kinds of other weird bullshit. Yeah, I, I'm re- I really fucking love baby teeth. Okay. I'll have to. I'll have to and I, and I actually can't wait till Clark becomes a character. Do you ever notice? Sorry, this is this is a yeah, the baby itself you're talking about, right? Yeah, I'm, or, I'm, looking, I'm yeah. looking forward to like in Saga. Right. Where the baby yeah. actually becomes a character. Mm. Yeah, I guess they'll do a time jump or something. They um Do you ever notice how Aftershock they don't sell their trades on Amazon? Really? I I've, I've found the trades on Amazon. Have you? Yeah. Huh. Maybe I'm just really bad at Oh. Baby Teeth is on there. I swear I looked for some other title. I forgot which one it was, and I couldn't find it at the time. Maybe it was just that specific title, or maybe it was yeah, too early. two volumes of Animosity and an animo- and the first volume of the Animosity spinoff are both on are all on Amazon. Oh, my bad. Excuse me, <laughs> I made a mistake there. I I forgot what the fuck I I searched for something one time and I couldn't find. I think it was that other one. Um, maybe now it is, or maybe I searched too early. It wasn't solicited. Um, I cut out for a second. That? What was it? They looked. You tried to look um, I forgot what it's called. It's called it's some sort of s- sex book or something. Sex something from yes, yes. That I looked for at one point. Yep, and it's I, up there. Now it is two okay. volumes. I guess I looked too early then when it came out because I, I know that sometimes they they'll solicit it on Amazon like months ahead of it coming out, but maybe because AfterShock's a more indie publisher. Okay, cool. All right, I think I'll have to order this then. All right, this uh, sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, Baby Teeth. It is a solid fucking book. Yeah. Like a lot of stuff coming out of fucking Aftershock. A lot of good quality stuff coming there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's actually where I'm taking it for my next uh, pick. Alrighty. <laughs> Keep the Aftershock uh, train rolling. Jimmy's Bastards. Yeah. yeah. Another great quality uh, Aftershock book. Have you, ke- have you kept up with this at all? Did, I am uh... an issue behind. I haven't read the most recent issue. Okay. Yeah, so the issue six is the most recent issue. It just came out, I think, last week. Uh, I'm, sh- I'm just going to talk about it. I'm sure you don't care like normal, right? Uh, yeah, go ahead. about the reveal. This is actually one that you probably did see coming or was pretty much, you got the point at the end of the fifth issue. So at the end of the fish, the fifth issue after the, all his, his children, legitimate children that basically banded together to take down Jimmy, uh, you find out, he finds out that they're all his children and then he finds out something else that puts him in such a fucking shock state that he starts uh, cradling a puppy dog. 
and then the agency now they all all the men have tits and the women have dicks yep. <laughs> due, due to some sort of uh uh thing that the yep. uh all due, the hell due, is due to jimmy's bastards putting in a That's gender right. change drug into the water supply <laughs> that, that, affect, that affects everybody except them jimmy and his new partner yeah, which is quite hilarious because there's even a scene in this where the one agent that works for, um, like the, the uh, MI6, like the guy who's basically, um, G- uh, Jimmy's boss, they're yeah. walking through His trying M. to see him. Yeah, just trying to see him in the, um, the, like the mental ward that they have him in now. Um, and at one point his shirt button busts because, you know, he's a larger man and his like sagging testicle looking tit falls out of his shirt. <laughs> and then the other, I, I forgot her, his female, um, agent, uh, uh, partner. I forgot her name. Um, I'm trying to look for her right now, but she, she sees it and, and you just see like a quarter panel of it, like sticking out. And she like kind of looks down at it and she looks disgusted. Yeah. <laughs> <She's> like, oh. <laughs> yeah. And then there was like, and there was like his like mentally handicapped, like nephew or something that's tits are just like fucking ropes of flesh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of them went over his shoulder, his neck yeah. or something. Yeah. And then, and then just like every once in a while, as you're just driving through town, you just see a bunch of people just fucking. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, exactly. They were there. The women were fucking the guys. Yeah, and everybody was into it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I was like, man. "Well, never have the opportunity again." You want to just fucking go? That, that's some, yeah, that's some classic Garth Garbage Ennis shit. fucking, yeah, and uh, and that's why I love this book. But it, like most Garth Ennis things, is actually also a well written story, and oh, I've yeah. been enjoying it. And the Russ Braun art is uh, fits the perfect. story well. It is, yeah, it's perfect. Russ, yeah, Russ Braun is another artist that's worked with Garth Ennis quite a bit, and he, I would say he's mostly closely to like a Steve Dillon style that you can kind of get from uh, people these days. Don't get me wrong, he's no Steve Dillon, yeah. but I think he's from the same school of uh, artists that Garth Ennis kind of aesthetically kind of works with, like their styles, like old like yeah, British Steve, comics. Steve Dillon, yeah. Steve Dillon was a lot more uh, like was a lot more like flat. He he was very much like, hey, this is just kind of what is happening, right? Whereas and then, whereas uh, whereas Russ Braun. He's able to get a lot more energy and expression out of what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. You, you hit it on the nose, yeah. And then I would also say, yeah, the, which the reason why Steve Dillon, I think, he excelled in the fact that he would do ultra violent scenes, and they would just be ridiculous looking and not real. You know what I mean? Like, and then and, <laughs> and the fact that he was able to capture that, but with ultra violent type moments, I think was like what he was really good at like you know just look at preacher and yeah. there you go but, preacher. <laughs> yeah um preacher. but <laughs> but anyways jimmy's bastards um yes really great and yeah basically what you find out when they go to the mental ward is he finds out not only was the ki- all these children that jimmy's bastards banded together to take him down he finds out it was children all the women he's been fucking all these years are his daughters <laughs> oh Yes. Oh, which nice. I, yeah, which I, 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 I can't lie, I did actually fuck. see coming. Yeah. I had guessed this, actually, in the, one of the first couple of issues that that was probably going to happen because the fact that, he, you know, we opened up with the fact that he's always with all these hot women and one's, like, sucking him off and this is going on and this and that's going on. And, and, and then you find out about the thing about the Jimmy's Bastards, and I was like, that would be fucked. It, and <laughs> leave it to guard I that is. That's his, ex- I didn't think his daughters would be down for that. Yeah. Yeah, no, like, so, like like hey, I'm your like hey, I'm your long lost half brother. We're gonna we're gonna like kill our dad who destroyed our lives. Would you mind sucking his dick? Right. So not only has he been 
fucking his daughters. I think that's why there's so many of them, and they because they've been fucking actually procreating like these mongoloid fucking like children. Like it's oh. yeah. So it's gotten much more much more fucked up with this six issue and, and and messed up. And he's basically throughout this whole issue struggling coming to terms with this in the mental ward, clutching the shit out of this puppy. <laughs> and to the point where um, his partner basically says, okay, well then I'm going to have to deal with this because I think, and she admits to him openly, like I, you know, I thought you were a piece of shit when I first came along, but you know, you're the best agent I've seen and I need you for this. And he just basically won't snap out of it. So she's like, okay, I'm going to go do this then. And as he's sitting there, um, thinking to himself he just something he comes to a realization about something that his um, main son who led the jimmy's bastard said to him yeah junior and he yeah and he basically says oh shit and you can see like the look on his face like him kind of trying to snap out of it like so it looks like he's going to try to come to her support in the next issue uh but yeah it just more <laughs> a fucked up revelation and just more zaniness with the with the jokes with the men with the tits and all that in this it's it's been a very great um great fun ride so far and i don't know how long this series is gonna last like i'm i'd i'd like to get at least 12 issues out of this like they're already soliciting issue seven so i don't know if it's gonna go on further because this has been one long storyline so far but um and essentially the the name of the series is basically what it is you know what i mean like so that's so i don't know if we're gonna get more than like 12 issues out of this but that that's fine with me like I, i think it'll be a really fun series when it all wraps up uh yeah so jimmy's yeah. bastards another quality aftershock comic if you haven't checked it out yet and uh i don't know i'm guessing that must be on amazon as well uh at this point so probably and I, I don't, I don't, it, I don't it know is. if it'll be um i don't know if it'll be more than 12 issues but i do know that um so far they have solicited up to nine issues mm-hmm. yeah that's, i i don't think it i i mean i don't see it going more than that uh, the way that the story pacing has been so yeah it's but, yeah it's got like it's got like a fucking it's got like another arc left in it mm-hmm. as jimmy just fucking recollects himself and mm-hmm. i guess becomes a better person yeah but it's been fun great yeah. art it has been a Cliff lot Garth of fun that is, despite how yeah the fuck it is <laughs> and i'm glad somebody's you know allowing garth ennis to write this like he peddles his wares all over the place and all these different oh, yeah. publishers it's, it's not very many places that let garth ennis go full ennis no. No, and th- and this is definitely that, and uh, and a, <laughs> a fun take on the James Bond, you know, uh, type stuff. So yeah, definitely check it out, Jamie's Bastards. All right, yeah, the first, the first it volume, is for sale. Yeah, yeah, the first yeah. volume will be going on sale February twenty seventh this year. Mm. And I know I'm sure that the sixteen ninety nine is inflated for us in Canada. I'm sure it's like a fourteen ninety nine paperback in yeah. most places. Yeah, so uh, still, you know, decent yeah, price. Yeah. Yeah, I just know that because of the dollar and because of you know, how yeah, because because everything's so fucked. Yeah. Canada gets fucking <laughs> butt fucking everything. Yeah, we're always a couple of bucks more on Amazon from retail, even so. even when the Canadian dollar is better. We're still paying more. I, it's true. Yeah, we're doing actually a lot better than we were, uh, you know, like a year ago. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, like like a, a U.S. dollar is still worth a buck twenty five Canada. Mm-hmm. But like whatever. Anyway, moving on. Wonder Woman. Yeah, so this is under James Robinson now, right? Uh, no, writer? this is the final issue of the. Uh, wait, actually, yeah, this is under James Robinson. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah no, that's this, that's yeah, why I wanted. It's the final yeah. issue of the Children of the Gods arc. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know anything about this. I just was interested because I read the Rucka stuff, but I didn't read any of this stuff. Yeah, I might end up dropping Wonder Woman. Mm, okay. 
Sorry to hear that. Yeah, that's why I wanted to hear about it. I didn't know how it was Yeah, so Children be. of the Gods, for those that don't know, is the arc that introduces Wonder Woman's brother. Right. Yeah, uh, Jason. That was a Jeff Johns thing, I believe, right? In Justice League. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, initially started, it, was initially, it was initially started there, but then it got fleshed out in this. Where we meet, where we, you know, Jason, um, Diana's brother, who was raised by one of the Arconauts, I believe. Uh, he spent all his time just kind of hanging out on a boat, fishing, doing what fishermen do. And then it is, re- and uh, this entire time, the entire thing that's been happening is that uh, Grail, the daughter of uh, Darkseid, has been going around killing the children of gods in order to give their life force to Darkseid to make him Darkseid again. Because if you remember, last time we saw Darkseid, he was a baby. <laughs> oh, man. You're in Dark Knight's Metal, is that what you're talking about? <laughs> nope, I'm talking about the Darkseid War. Oh, he turned he turned into a baby at the end of that? I can't even remember. Yeah, yeah Darkseid fought the Anti-Monitor. Mm. Lost. Right, and, and that's then why. Grail, he... And then, and then the, the last fucking page of that thing was Grail holding a baby Darkseid. Right, right, right. Because that makes sense. <laughs> yeah so Grail and Darkseid have been going around fucking finding the children of gods stealing their fucking life juice or whatever and killing them uh, and that has been like slowly regaining Darkseid his form he went from a baby to a toddler to a teenager to now I believe he's like a 20 something and then will and then somehow by him aging he'll get his armor and a chin strap because you know when you age you get clothes Yeah, and so it was revealed over the course of the arc that uh, that Jason had been working with Grail because he has parent issues. It's like, my mom didn't love me, so I'm going to kill everybody. Because, you know, that's a fucking great character. <laughs> right. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, so with this issue, um, Diana. Diana was an old lady for a bit. Because Darkseid tried to, tried to drain her of her life force before Zeus showed up and was like, hey, don't touch my child. I still haven't fucked her as a duck yet. Uh, that's a big old fight. Zeus and Darkseid fight. Grail and Diana and Jason fight. Then Darkseid wins. And is again. Right. Which Darkseid doesn't is. which doesn't make a lot of sense to me because a severely underpowered dark side who looks like a fucking twenty five year old who hits the gym a lot versus the literal king of the gods. And he's like, I win. You turned to us now. I just don't buy that. It was just it was just a really stupid, hackneyed, forced way to fucking reintroduce Darkseid. Which if they wanted to do that, why make him a baby in the first place? Right. And yeah, I just this this whole storyline has been nothing for me. Yeah, it's uh, it sure sounds like it. Yeah, that doesn't sound very inspired. Like like and, Ruck, it, like the Rucka stuff, I didn't have a problem with. I just wasn't that big a fan of it. Like I, I was a bigger fan of the Finch stuff. It, you know what? I read all the Rucka stuff. 
it wasn't bad, but yeah, I'll agree with you in the sense that his older stuff was much better than this newer return to the character. Yeah, because and it just added on like these weird like Donna Troy-esque layers mm-hmm. of bullshit to her story. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, and it sounds like even with this arc that you're talking about with James Robinson, because he's delving into... Again, something from her past. Why can't they just fucking tell a good Wonder Woman story? Enough of this fucking, uh, this happened in her past. Because re- shut up. Re- I, I, <laughs> come on, though. You know where I'm coming from? Like, it's no, ridiculous. No, I, I 100% already. get where you're coming from. Tell yeah. a new goddamn story. Yes. Something, yes. That, something that isn't tied to some weird bullshit that happened on the Amazonian past. Like, who gives a fuck? Mm. It hasn't yeah. affected her life up to this point. Let's get something new. Let's get something fresh. Let's get some fucking stories happening. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck, man. Yeah. Just like I remember the army of albino intelligent gorillas that used to they used to like, crash in her place. Yeah, that's I have read some of the Gale Simone. Remember those dudes? Those dudes were yeah. cool. Yeah. Sure. What happened to them? Like, like I, know. I know they can't like hang out at her place now because she's too busy fucking Steve. <laughs> but like fuck why don't we get a storyline about that why don't we get a storyline of them trying to just like be together yeah I'd be fine with that why don't we get a storyline of her taking a shit on a picture of Superman because like fuck that guy <laughs> he was terrible in bed <laughs> just something yeah. new god yeah that's just disappointing. It's, uh, you know, she's a great character, and I just find that her best moments these days are in other people's books. Absolutely. Like, you know, like, you're, are you up to date on the Batman stuff, Tom King? Uh, probably not. Okay. She showed up in the most recent issue, and when you get to that, you'll, you'll see what I mean. But I, that I actually won't tell you because that's okay. pretty interesting. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah, but that's I mean, that's how I feel these days about when I see Wonder Woman. It's usually, I mean, I mean, as I mean, I'm not reading this Wonder Woman right now, but that's why it, it didn't sound that interesting to me. This storyline, so I kind of just jumped yeah, it's ship, not because yeah. it wasn't interesting. Yeah. So well, I'm sorry to hear that, but uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hopefully, you know, they bring somebody over, and put some. Uh, Fresh blood on there and changes up. The He's direction. fucking open. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. And James Robinson isn't even that bad. I mean, he he writes. No, he's lots not that of bad the, a writer. He, he has had yeah. some garbage books. Absolutely. Yeah. Like fucking he's... gay for justice. <laughs> yeah. No. I. I'm not. I'm not saying like I love everything he's ever done, but he. He. You know. He's. He's a decent writer, and I think that. Um. You know. Obviously, he's written some good things. So yeah. This may not be one of them, but it sounds a bit. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Remember oh. Airboy? Oh, do I ever. Remember how fucking good that was? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know we don't do like one of those things like book of the year type business or talk or best things of each year. But that for me, that year, that was something special that came out. Like that, I still, I own the hardcover. I double dipped on that. I bought the issues. I bought the hardcover. I, uh, I, I, my girlfriend bought me actually an original piece of art from the book for Christmas <laughs> that year. Yeah, I own an actual page from that. That's how much I fucking love that book, Airboy. Oh, so good. Yeah. I, I have a page. Uh, the page I bought is one where he, He's waking up the next morning, like buck naked in his apartment, and he's sticking his dick back in his pants, <laughs> and he's good. And you know, like the big schlong that he had in that, the artist, and and yeah. uh, and the one guy, he uh, James Robinson, is trying to um, 
uh, uh, sniff coke off the table in the living room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's on the, that's on the page I own. It's it's fantastic. Um, uh, yeah, what's oh shame on me. What the fuck is his name? Um, Greg Hinkle. They are yes, thank you. He, I, I, I remember you talking about his new book. You didn't. I think you said you didn't love it, right? The new one that he was doing. Yeah. Black hole or black cloud? Black cloud. Black cloud. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't that hot on black cloud. That's too bad. Was it? Wasn't his artwork? It was the writing wise. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's great though. Yeah, that was a good book. There's only a few uh, th- things like come along now and then like that, you know. But uh, something special that kind of sets. For me, the other one that this for at least for this past year, uh, last year, um, I really liked God Country. Mm-hmm. Did you end up reading that by Donny Cates? Not yet. I know. I think I talked it's about it on the show. On it's the docket, definitely read. The, take yeah, definitely move that one up. I would suggest if you like Donny Kate's stuff. I think for me, that's the best thing I've read by him so far. Even though I haven't read Baby Teeth and, and these things, but that that's a really great one. Anyways, okay. Yeah. All right then. It's my last book, and I guess that I think that's what we're reading then. That's it. Yeah. All right then. On to news. So first up, it was announced a little while back. That uh, Archie Comics would be re- would be um, releasing a new Dick Tracy book from Alex Segura, Michael Moretti, and uh, Thomas Patilli. I probably I probably mispronounced all your names, and for that I am sorry. <laughs> probably. But yeah, it was gonna be a it was gonna be a new book. Mm. New everything, art looked good, cover looked interesting. Oh, that's cool shit. Yeah, that's not happening anymore. Oh, yeah, it got canceled before it even launched. Yeah, I mean, not that I had a lot of interest in it because I don't know. I just don't have a lot of interest in Dick Tracy. But yeah, it doesn't. I guess that doesn't surprise me. But yeah, so uh, in a statement from the uh, Tribune Content Agency in Chicago, quote: "Due to an unfortunate error on our part, Tribune is sad to announce that there will not be a Dick Tracy comic book series from Archie Comics. While we had high hopes for the books in Archie Comics, negotiated the deal in good faith, and is not at all and is not at fault." We discovered a pre-existing licensing deal that precludes us from continuing with this project. We apologize to Archie Comics, the very talented creators, and their many fans. Oh, okay. So it had nothing to do with interest. Like, it was just... Yeah, uh, short, yeah shortly after that, um, Alex Aguirre himself went on Twitter and commented on the situation. And yeah, basically, it was like a licensing mistake made it so that they actually couldn't make the book at all. Mm-hmm. Well, that sucks. Yeah. That's bad business on their part if they didn't actually realize that before announcing the book. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Uh, so, moving on to Rexpeed's news. So, last episode, uh, it was announced uh, that uh, it was announced that Gail Simone will be working on a new Domino book for Marvel. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, yeah. And there wasn't an artist at the time. All we knew was that the first issue would have a cover by Greg Land, and both Birdie and I were fucking worrying that Greg Land was the one who was doing <laughs> the interior artwork. Sure. Yeah. Uh, he's not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it has since been announced that uh, David Baldeon. Yeah, I like his stuff. Yeah, who uh, who worked on the recent Spirits of Vengeance miniseries will be taking on fucking Domino. I think he also wrote a little bit. I think he didn't he do some of the all new Ghost Rider too. I believe towards the end of the run he might have, or he did the Ghost Racers stuff. That's what he did. Uh, yeah, he yeah looking at it, um, he did Monsters Unleashed, Spirits of Vengeance, Monsters Unleashed, the Spirits of Vengeance. There's other things listed for. Wait, actually, there's more. I think he did Ghost Racers. Oh, but yeah, he did an issue like, Web Warriors. Yeah, look, I'm looking at his stuff right now. There's credits on uh, Marvel Comics on Marvel.com, and yeah, it's Monsters Unleashed, Spirits of Vengeance, 
Marvel Tsum Tsum Volumes 3 and 4. Okay. Sorry, issues 3 and 4. And then Web Warriors 10 and 11. Hmm. Yeah, no, I guess I'm wrong. I remember, I thought, yeah, I guess the Spirits of Vengeance, I think. I know he did something with Ghost Rider, so maybe that's Yeah, Spirits it. of Vengeance. Yeah, yeah. I like his stuff. Yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah. Well, at least it's not Greg Land. Fuck. Yeah, fuck, <laughs> fuck. You stick to the covers, buddy. Also, <laughs> did you know, I did not know this, but apparently uh, Greg Land was the guy who came up with the with the uh, Nightwing outfit that everybody knows and loves. Like yes. the, like the streamlined one, like the black, like the all black leotard with just like the little bird thing across the front of it. That was Greg so, Land. So, so here's the thing. I, that's interesting. I did not know that, but Greg Land wrote that original series with Chuck Dixon. He 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 didn't write it. He drew it, and his style he actually drew back then. Like oh, he actually, it was be it was pre Greg Land, um, porn face Greg. It Land. was it was pre Greg Land. Greg Land. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. That's I've read some of that old Chuck Dixon night. It was his first solo series. He was the artist, one of the main artists on that book. And yeah, the art was nowhere as bad as I think he is now, which is funny because usually artists get better as they go on their career. <laughs> but I guess he found, uh, you know, uh, the elements that you can use to basically take a porn. <laughs> face and put it in your art and that was the end of Greg Glenn in my yeah. opinion <laughs> uh, so yeah no that's I didn't know that though that's interesting but that makes sense because he was the artist on that on that series so huh there's something new every day but yeah. uh, I'll give him that I'll give him that I guess but that's uh, that was a different Greg Land. that was a different time <laughs> so moving on to next week's news so Wolverine came back to life with very little fanfare Mm, yeah. Uh, no real, just kind of thing. Just like, hey, in Marvel Legacy, he just popped up. I have an Infinity Stone, and then he kind of popped up in Captain America, and then in Thor, and whatever. Uh, but this April, we're gonna finally be figuring out what the fuck happened to him in Hunt for Wolverine, a new book from Charles Soule and David Marquez. <sighs> I'm on. Two, I'm, I, I'm on two minds. Two minds about this. Love David Marquez, and I'll probably check it out based off him, but hated what Charles Soule did when he killed him. Yes. <laughs> That's where I'm coming from. I'm sure you agree. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. I'm I'm so conflicted. I, 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 I'll probably check it out because I I love Wolverine. I, I want him to be back, and I'd like to see, but it's just like, this is your moment to redeem yourself, Charles Soule. Don't fuck up his return as much as he did his exit, because that I re- I really disliked that um that's that Death of Wolverine series at the time. But Marquez is great, so yeah, yeah. So yeah. in a statement with the announcement, uh, Soul Charles Soule said, Steve McDivitt and I took an incredible risk took took on the incredible task of killing Wolverine back in 2014. It was one of my earliest projects at Marvel and such a huge opportunity, intimidating, tricky of all of that. But ultimately, I think we created a book alongside Jay Lyston, Dustin Ponser, and Chris Eliopoulos that we're all really proud of. <laughs> There's really only one project that could top it, being part of the story that brings Logan back. The Hunt for Wolverine is just the, op- is just the opening chapter. Of a mystery that will reach out, that will reach all of the, there is all sorts of hidden corners of the Marvel Universe and will tell a story that will hopefully have us looking at Logan in an entirely new way. I'm going to assume it won't. <laughs> I've heard that, I haven't read it yet, but I've heard that he's writing that astonishing X-Men book right now. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that's not bad. 
So if he's d- dived back into the X-Men waters recently and is actually doing a better job now, like for the record, I actually caught up with his Daredevil. I actually really like his Daredevil. But other than that, I don't think he's done anything good at Marvel, or at least that I've been interested in. Other than that, and maybe the She-Hulk run, most of it. Like, uh-huh. in- Inhumans, I can give a fuck about. I don't care about that. Any of the Inhumans, he did like seven Inhuman series as far as I'm concerned. It just, yeah. I just don't think Charles Soule is the premier writer that I had hoped he was at the start over in Marvel. Like a lot of his DC stuff was top notch i felt but marvel he hasn't really been great for me uh other than that like i said the daredevil has been all right but yeah yeah uh so on so the first issue will be launching in april it will be 40 pages long and will lead into may where there will be four different books released that will each have their own distinct genre hmm. uh with those being um adamantium agenda which is an action adventure story Claws of the Killer, which is a horror story. Um, Mystery in Madripoor, a dark romance. And Weapon Lost, a noir detective story. And each of them, and each of those books will be from different creative teams. So we're going to go from, so we're going to have four new <laughs> Wolverine series, you're saying? Different uh, no, genres, not series, different... individual stories. Mm, like one shots. I believe okay. so. Huh. Okay. Yeah, which will all reveal how Wolverine came back from the dead, and my guess is it's something stupid. Yeah, I'll go by I'll go by who the creative teams are on that one. Like I'll, I'll yeah. I might check out some of them, but yeah, I don't yeah. Know. So moving on, Marvel Comics has announced an exclusive agreement with Kelly Thompson, writer of Hawkeye and the fan favorite, I guess, Rogan Gambit. <laughs> I didn't actually read this. Rogan Gambit or Ro- yeah, news? Rogan Gambit, mainly because oh. I haven't actually gotten around to reading the stuff that came out this year yet. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know I haven't read that either. Yeah, Nor there I, I are. I'd be interested in. Yeah, from the looks of it, uh, there is one issue out right now, and apparently, it's already a fan favorite. <laughs> right. And that's according to and that's according I didn't to like goddamn, Hawkeye. And that's according that's according to Marvel dot com. Yeah. I, I didn't love her Hawkeye. I read a few issues. And also, did, have you seen any artwork by uh, Perry Perez? Yep. Is it any good? Because like I don't think I ever have. And the covers are by Chris Anka. I uh, I flipped through the most recent issue of uh, Avengers, and he was drawing it. And what I saw looked good. I mean, I can't speak to everything he's ever done, but I think the most recent stuff I saw was pretty solid from him. Okay, I just, I fucking love Chris Anka's art. So having yeah. that be the cover and then go in for some other fucking asshole. Sure, it's it's not it's not Chris Anka. I'll get I mean, his style is totally different than Chris Anka's. Um, he's more of a. Nah, I don't even want to compare him to Stuart Eminem because Stuart Eminem's way better than him. But he's got a, he's got like a clean, very nice looking kind of eye popping style. You know what I mean? Like very classic superhero booky type style uh, not Krasanka who's got like a more of a stylistic approach like uh, st- like stuff to, yeah like yeah I, I like his stuff a lot yeah I, I I ordered the trade I haven't it hasn't come out yet but I, I've ordered the trade after you yeah. you praising it so much yeah so. so um there's a statement from her about this just kind of sucking Marvel's dick <laughs> right because nobody's gonna say like yeah, the books are all right they kind of fell they kind of fell to shit really let's hope I can fucking change that <laughs> Like, if I was the fucking guy who got fucking signed to Marvel, I'd be like, yo, dude, 
You shit's fucking garbage. Let's see what I can do about it. <laughs> and it'd be like, oh, wait, I just made it worse. Yeah. <laughs> Came in there with your radical ideas. I've heard some of your comic book pitches. <laughs> it's like, it's like, Yo, how about this? What if Spider-Man was actually a fly? <laughs> buzz, Isn't buzz, motherfuckers. Fly? <laughs> Yo, you ever, yo, you ever seen those? Yo, you ever seen those episodes of the fucking CG Ninja Turtle show? <coughs> I can't do that voice anymore. My fucking throat gave out. <laughs> God. Anyway, moving on to next piece of news. So Marvel has uh, unveiled the new cast for the X Men Blue Book. They're changing the cast. Oh, yes. Okay. Changed the cast oh. up fairly significantly. Oh, I don't know if I'm making read this. Then let's go on. <laughs> so. With the original X-Men, quote-unquote, lost in space, a new team needs to step up to face down the evil alliance of Mr. Sinister, of Miss Sinister, sorry, Bastion and Emma Frost. Oh, get the fuck. Oh, they're, they're not on the team. That's who they're facing. Yeah, these are, these, these oh, are okay. their bad guys. These are their fuck, <laughs> oh, this is their arch nemeses. Is Emma back now? I thought she was dead. Huh, okay. She is and isn't. Yeah. Okay. Go on. Who the the team? team fighting them, though, will be Polaris, Zorn, Bloodstorm, Jimmy Hudson, Gazing Nightshade, and Dokken. Oh my god! That is a horrible fight. <laughs> oh my god! That's that is uh that's uh. <laughs> I don't know what to think of that. That's that's one of those things where it's like there's such D-list villains, uh, not villains, X-Men, that it could be really interesting or it could be a fucking shit show because I, I can give a fuck about Dawkins. I've never uh, even fucking heard of Bloodstorm. I don't know who that is. I know who Polaris is. That's Magneto's daughter. Yeah, and I, then so, so Bloodstorm obviously is uh, Morrison's uh, X-Men. Yeah, uh, so fucking Bloodstorm is an alternate universe version of of Storm who's a vampire. Oh, it's during the um, vampire story. Oh, that's fucking stupid. I don't even like Storm. I already had a vampire Storm. <laughs> oh, God. I really like Storm. Do you? I don't like, I don't know. She doesn't do much for me. She, I don't she, mind she hasn't had. She hasn't had a lot to do recently because they've just been fucking her over. Okay, now if we're going to talk Wolverine and the X-Men Storm, then yes, sure, she was great in that book. Like, in certain books, she's good, but most of the time, I don't care for her, just because I don't think they use her well. Yeah, they, they fucking shit on her, because, like, a, yeah. good, a good chunk of time, like, since I started reading comics, the most important thing that she's done outside of fucking Wolverine and the X-Men is be married to Black Panther. Yeah. Which is just a fucking was- slap in the face to her. It it was, and that was I think that was pre Wolverine and the X Men. That was during Bendis's time on the Avengers. I think. She was yeah, and then Black during Panther, Avengers yeah. vs X Men, she divorced Black Panther. Yeah, yeah, they fought each other. <laughs> I remember that actually. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so uh, had you ever heard of Gazing Nightshade? No, I don't know what the fuck that is. Gazing Nightshade is a mutant with the ability to uh, with the ability of despair inducement. Whoever Nightshade gazes upon enters into a trance-like state of sorrow fueled by their deepest regret. Both the eyes of gazing of gazing Nightshade's victims and hers bleed when she uses her powers. 
Yeah, I'm looking at a picture of her right now. She looks like a little Asian girl that's got like she's from gang- Madripoor. Oh, okay, yeah. So and she's got blood coming out of her eyes in the panel. <laughs> I was like, oh. Yep, this is this is what we're dealing with, y'all. Yeah, I don't know. Is Cullen Bunn still writing it? Yep. All right. Well, I don't know. I might give it a shot, but I don't know. This is not a good team, in my opinion. But we'll see. Yep. And that's then, a, that's a th- yeah. Go ahead. Moving on. Jimmy Hudson. Fuck. Yeah, fucking Jimmy Hudson. <laughs> the least interesting of all of Wolverine's kids. It's true. <laughs> I think he's actually already showed up in blue, though. I think he's already. No, yeah, he he he's, he's been a regular fucking yeah. guy in that. You know, but I think this the, this most recent arc, yeah, he came in. So, but now, now he's like, hey, he's getting a more he's getting a more prominent spot, playing second yeah. fiddle to fucking Polaris. <laughs> like, like, like at this point, I prefer gazing nightshade. Over. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Oh. Uh, sorry, go on. The only reason this is goddamn happening is probably because some from Marvel editorial was like, "Yo, Polaris is really popular in the show. <laughs> put her, put her in this shit. We can do that now. We out, we have the, we own the rights to her because we bought the company." Yeah, I actually, <laughs> the main reason I actually even remembered Polaris was her past was just Chronicle and X Men Grand Design Two. They <laughs> explained to you why. <laughs> She, well, how and why she's Magneto's daughter. <laughs> so it's very clusterfuck of a she's story. She's Magneto's daughter because get fucked. It's they needed. They wanted to tell a story like that, and his other kids can't. Be, other, kids, other kids can't be his kids because fuck, yeah. man. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah. <laughs> Moving on to our final piece of news. Yes, Dan Slot. <laughs> After centuries. Of writing Spider-Man is officially leaving the book yes. to write Iron Man. Oh, I don't know what to think of that though. is <laughs> Iron Man has actually been really good. I've really enjoyed it. So the fact that he's going over there, I'm like, no. <laughs> Dan Slott uh, began his Spider-Man run in 2008. Wow. He's been writing the book for 10 years. So he started writing the book before you probably even started this podcast. He started writing the book when I started reading (laughs) Spider-Man. I have never not known a Dan Slott Spider-Man story. Wow. And yeah, yeah, actually he did. He he started writing that book three years before I started this podcast. (laughs) Holy fuck. Thank God. (laughs) But yeah, so after 189 issues... Dan Slott will be writing the final issue, his final issue of Amazing Spider-Man with issue 801 coming out in June. He just had to get that one in. <laughs> he couldn't, he couldn't go out on the milestone. Like, <laughs> Didn't want to go out on top of the milestone issue. He's like, no, I need that 801. <laughs> yeah. I ended I ended the previous book at 700. We're ending with this one at 701 because go fuck yourself. You know what? There there was a time when we first started this show, and I think it may have been – well, not we first started. I first started on this show. I think it was just before around the time Spider-Verse was going on, uh, possibly. Maybe a bit before that, but that yeah. was that was great. Spider-Island, good. We talked about the great. Like yeah. I, have, I am yeah. not Dan a hater Slott of his entire had, run. Dan Slott 
had the, there's a reason he stayed in that book for ten goddamn years. Absol- absolutely. Like he, he wouldn't he wouldn't have fucking stayed in that book for two years if he wasn't a good writer. But he fucking consistently put out good work. But I think these last two, everything post Superior Spider Man, I could not have given a shit about. I think Superior Spider Man. Superior Spider Man on. Like, like once yeah. Superior Spider Man 1 happened, I was like, oh, okay, this is downhill, then downhill, then downhill. I didn't mind Superior, but after Superior, I, I might be in the minority there, but after Superior's when for me, the book, <laughs> because I was always actually interested at least to see what was going to happen in that story, but then when it ended, I was like, okay. As, as, when the whole Tony Stark Spider Man started, I was like, "All right, I've had enough." Like, <laughs> I was like, "Yeah." Was just- with, with me, it, with me, it was, "Oh, you have this really interesting idea for this character, and you're doing nothing with it." Yeah, like Spider Sp- Superior Spider Man was such a fucking letdown of such a goddamn interesting premise, mm. and it led to some of the worst shit in Spider Man, like fucking Black Cat. <laughs> her becoming yes, a goddamn are. mafioso and yeah. and and fucking why the fuck was hammerhead why was he like yo black cat she's the fucking boss man i'm around here i'm a fuck i'm fucking number two to a goddamn thief i mean not only that but that actually even went into trailed into the fucking bendis defenders book that whole that whole yeah that whole fucking thing yeah like uh, why how how she is a cat burglar how does she have any clout as a mafioso? Yeah. And again, the reason Spider-Man punched her. Yeah. That was yeah. it. He punched her and webbed her up and then is like, "All right, I'm going to I'm going to become the next kingpin of crime, Spider-Man. Go fuck yourself." But that but that was that was Doc Ock Spider-Man that did it, right? That was Superior Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. And then all of a sudden she's like, Oh, you'll rue the day that you took me down, Spider-Man. The day that you crossed the black cat. <laughs> and, and that was it. You're right. And then she lost her shit. And then she's just like, That's it, I'm getting you. Yeah, back like, like for did this. did she get punched so hard by fucking Doc Ock Spider-Man that she actually got a fucking brain aneurysm? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but just started, yeah, you're right. just started thinking she was fucking like that weird fucking like Silvermane asshole. But uh, yeah, whatever. Kudos to you, Dan Slot. Great fucking, yeah, you somewhat had, of a great you, you job. Had, you had a solid run and a relatively yeah. mythic run. I cannot wait for you to go. Yep. And I can't wait to see who takes over. And I bet you can tell with <laughs> with Marvel not having too many premier writers, who I'm hoping it is. <laughs> It'll be Kelly Thompson. Oh. <laughs> I know. I hope. I hope. I really think it's going to be Jason Aaron. To be honest with you, and I hope it is. But yeah. I. I want to. I want to see where Spider Man goes from here because I want Spider Man to go back to being a book I can say I like reading. Because mm-hmm. like, because like, even like Miles Morales Spider Man stuff, I'm reading that, and I'm only reading it out of loyalty to the character. Like, I'm not even liking that book anymore. You're right. I think this. It's, I'm glad you actually said it. I think this whole most recent relaunch of the title actually hasn't been that great either. Yeah, like all this. And neither all, was Spider Man Two. Spider Man Two wasn't that yeah, great. Spider Man Two wasn't that great. And yeah. all the shit they're doing with fucking Lana Baumgartner. Yeah, it's just such disservice to that character. Oh, the ultimate character you're talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, Bombshell. That, yeah, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, she is. She was so cool. I fucking loved her in the in fucking Ultimate Spider-Man. And then in this, she's like, I'm in love with Spiderman. And then just becomes nothing. It's just this really boring one-note character. Yeah. And fucking... Yeah, I know. And all that... Uh, God damn it. It's a shame, because it does look like uh, Ben is going to go out on low note in terms of like the quality of some of his Ultimate Spider-Man stuff over at Marvel. But... 
But uh, but you're right. That I can at least stick with that out of loyalty and love for that series and that character. But the Spider-Man dance lot, I, where I never thought I would actually drop an Amazing Spider-Man book, I had to sadly like, years ago. Yeah, it's just, been like I was just like it, no, it, went, it went so uh, Tony Stark that it wasn't even recognizable as Spider-Man anymore. Yeah, I was like hate reading it, and I was like, I don't want to yeah, do like, this. This only it's only it's only fun for so long. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was just like, nah, I've had enough. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Like if I'm speed reading the fucking thing and wasting money on it, then no. Yeah, fuck sorry. that noise. That, yeah. <laughs> you want you want a fucking like quality Spider Man book. You want a book you could sit down and go, Man, this guy's life is terrible, just like mine. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But you know, that being said, <coughs> let's see what he does with Iron Man. I'm happy to check it out. I will. I mean, I, I'm reading Sp- Iron Man right now. Uh, I'm interested to see other Dan Slot stories because all I really know, everything actually else that I've read by him, other than these last few years of Spider-Man, I've actually enjoyed. I liked the She-Hulk. I liked his. I loved his Silver Surfer. We talked about it on here. Yeah. I mean, so I'm I looking forward. to Can't wait stuff. for the storyline where where Iron Man sells his marriage to the to the devil so that nobody will remember he's Iron Man. So he can get a job taking pictures of himself as Iron Man. So that way he'll be able to <laughs> afford rent at Jarvis's apartment. <laughs> Hey, you never know. Maybe he'll make him an alcoholic again. That would be great. <laughs> we could finally have a Tony Stark we can get behind and root for. Right? Right? <laughs> it's like, it's like, will Tony save the world before he runs out of vodka? Find out next issue in the amazing, in the invincible Iron Man. Yeah. I'll, I'll, you know, if he does that, I'm there. I cannot, I cannot wait for the issue where Tony Stark wakes up from a drunken bender and just sees Doctor Doom's dead body on his carpet. Like, well, that's that problem taken care of. <laughs> then it just like snaps his fucking robot fingers and an army of little robots come over and eat the body and just disappear. So much for this infamous Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Riri's like, I'm still here, you guys. Like Ironheart, you know, the new hotness, the new shit. Uh- Ah, I didn't even think about that, though. And then, and, wonder... then, and then Tony snaps his fingers again. The robot's coming to eat her alive. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder oh, God, which no! one he's going to write. I wonder I wonder which Iron Man he's going to write, actually. That's a good point. Probably Riri. Yeah. She is the Iron Man now, despite the fact that she's Iron Heart. Mm-hmm. That still fucking bugs me. Just, like, give her her own fucking book under her own goddamn name. Yeah. I'm interested to see. She but anyways, des- yeah. She fucking deserves it. She's a good character. See you later, slot. After <laughs> the Spider-Man, finally. I didn't think we'd ever talk about this day on this show. I know it's oh, been rumored for a I, year. I thought you said see you later, slut. No, no, not her. No, I wouldn't say that. I said slot, slot. <laughs> yeah, see you later, slot. Slot, not slot. I wouldn't call Riri a slut. No. Yeah, she's she's a good, she's a good fucking person, man. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah, a decent no, kid I, trying to do the best <laughs> for her mom. She was the queen like of the country Riri. for like five minutes. Don't attack me, internets. No, I like Riri. <laughs> no, I like Riri. I said slot. See you later, slot. Slot. Yep. <laughs> S-L-O-T-T. Yeah. yeah. Rewind the tape. You will only hear slot. You will never hear slut. Ever. <laughs> Anyways. That's good for this week. Yeah. <laughs> That's Thanks. a good stopping point. Thank y'all for joining us. We will be back in two weeks' time with episode of the DestoProds.com comic book podcast. Uh, there will unfortunately be no movies podcast this week because Caveman is busy getting married. Ah, oh, well, I don't know him personally, but congrats. Yeah. So he has to do wedding stuff. That's why Bertie couldn't join us this week because he is helping Caveman plan his wedding. Yeah, that's a pain in the ass. I've been there with the whole best man thing, if that's yeah. his best man. Yeah. Yeah. But things will get back to normal. 
hopefully soon. Yeah. Until then, though, we got all kinds of bullshit coming out. I'm dead. I'm Nico. We will see you guys next time.